Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, March 30th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all today. Anything goes. We have no guest. We have no theme. I have a couple things I want to talk about, but uh, I'd rather hear from you. Phone lines are open, so jump in and join us. 855 950 We'll get to those calls here as they start to come in. We are not going to have an episode of Rolling Toe today. The Becketts are at the truck show. So we can go long today if we have the questions. I'll keep going. Normally we stop at 10. But today we can go as long as we want. If you've got questions, go ahead and line them up. It is a little strange. Now I'm starting to hear from people who are at the truck show. I had a late call last night with a company. Some projects we're working on together, but they were at the truck show. Got a call from a friend at the truck show. It feels a little weird for me because 30 plus years, 31, 32 years, never missed a year of that show. Up until COVID, and then, you know, we didn't have those, so that was no big deal. But this year, not being there feels a little weird right now. Not a big deal. We're already talking about next year, and that was part of the reason um, why we skipped this year. The The truck show's actually in in flux right now. It's going to be changing. They're, they're looking at a new model next year. The, the truck show itself isn't going to change, but... There may be some more events coming to Louisville that week. So might be interesting to see, especially now since big truck shows, Louisville's it. Dallas isn't happening this year. Las Vegas died a couple years ago. Uh, several of the other truck shows we used to go to. Uh, the New England truck show was a big one for a long time. That's gone. They've, they've all kind of disappeared. So maybe this idea of multiple events in the same place the same time or the during the same week or so during trucking might be a good idea that's kind of what they're moving towards so we'll uh we'll keep you updated on that calls are starting to come in i am going to get to them but i did have one topic i wanted to cover i'll make it kind of quick if you want to talk about it you can I was just looking at this economic cycle that we're in and trying to figure out why it seems so different. And I just started making some notes about some things that that are different this time. And and I'm wondering why. So I've been through, boy, I'm trying to remember all the downturns since if I bought my first truck in 86. It's hard to remember the early years. Um Early 90s, we had a pretty rough time. Um, when I got started, I mean, 86 was a was a rough time, really. One of the things I remember about the early couple of years was that there wasn't always a lot of freight. There were times where it was hard to figure out what you were going to do with your truck if you had one. I can remember when I bought my second truck, my first truck was busy. It was leased and it was busy doing local work and I wanted to put a truck on the road and I decided to drive that one. So I put a driver in my local truck. I I can remember bouncing back and forth between a couple brokers and they just didn't have any work. 
that was the big issue. I can remember sitting around waiting to find freight, period. You weren't even really complaining about the rate. You were just looking for something to haul. Uh, I don't remember many cycles where it got like that again after that, you know, and that was my first couple of years in the industry. We had a downturn in the early 90s. We had the 2000.com crash that kind of brought the economy down. We had the big one in 08. Other than those, we've had a couple of years where we pulled back slightly, not anything we would call a recession, but they, they were all very similar in a lot of ways. This now, so I, I go back to all the way back to when I first started to talk about a lack of freight. In all the rest of the downturns, I don't remember seeing much of that. The focus was more on how bad the rates were. This time on social media I'm watching, there are more people complaining about no freight now than the rates. Part of it, I believe, is that because of inflation, we're not seeing prices of anything come down as much as I think they should. I don't think the prices of used equipment or used cars has come down enough, not nearly what it should have. Food, certainly nothing's coming down there. That's just going up. So we are, I'm afraid we are seeing signs of stagflation where the inflation continues, but the economy keeps slowing. So what I'm saying is with inflation, you may not see people complain about the rates as much. We're not seeing them drop to those really low numbers, but there doesn't seem to be enough freight around. That's, that's different. Like I say, I don't remember this particular pattern since the 80s. Um, the media is not covering it. The, the number of layoffs I've been finding or not finding in the media, but finding in other ways. The company I was talking to last night, I had no idea they had laid off a bunch of people. I'm very familiar with this company. There was nothing in the trucking media about it. They laid off 140 people. It's a pretty big deal. There's a lot of layoffs happening and it's not being covered in any other economic cycle like this. The economic cycle itself would be the number one news story. Now I, I can barely find information about it, period. That's different. The market, the stock market not responding. The stock market, if you just, if you were only to look at the stock market over the last year or two, you'd realize it was volatile, but I don't think you'd realize we were in as much of a down economy as what we really are. The market doesn't seem to be paying attention either. So it's kind of like, well, maybe if you just ignore this, it's not going to happen. That that's, it seems like maybe the media and the market are doing the media, I get the market. I don't know. Do we have that many investors now that just don't believe we're going to have a recession or that the market's going to pull back? It doesn't seem to be responding the way uh, it normally does in a situation like this. Layoffs, mergers, the, those are what we would expect, except nobody's talking about them. Lots of layoffs, lots of mergers too. 
We've had some, we had a huge merger in trucking going on and lots and lots of medium size and smaller mergers. This is expected. And, and the pattern here is what I've been talking about a lot. I talk about it on a very small scale, but when you see mergers happening in a time like this, it's because one company was run really well, saw this coming and got prepared paid down its debt, saved cash. The other company either didn't see this coming or didn't believe it, ignored it, didn't do all the right things, and they're in trouble. They they don't have cash flow. They have too much debt. Well, now the company with all the money comes in and gets a bargain. They buy them. That, that is very typical during times like this. We may do that. Um, we're, we're okay. We're, we're in pretty good shape cash-wise. Cash flow-wise, we're down. Um, we're just past a year on our own. Our cash flow's coming back. We're struggling a little bit. Wasn't great timing to lose a couple of big contracts like that during a, during a downtime, but we're doing okay enough so that watching some companies I might be interested in, obviously small companies, uh, Maybe time to uh, to pick something up. We'll see. We'll uh, we'll keep an eye on that. We had another. When I say another, we've had lots of train derailments. We now know we have about one a week. So I've been, you know, I set up keywords in my news aggregator for train derailments, crashes, chemical spills. It's busy. There's a lot of that stuff going on that we never hear about. There was. Uh, Fairly big one in Minnesota with some evacuations going on. I think they have a fire. And uh, it is pretty crazy how many trains do derail now that we're paying attention. All right. Phone lines are uh, lighting up. So we're going to find out what's on your mind. Jump in and join us. It is a free for all. 855-950-3835. We're going to get started in South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's, what's up, Kevin? I got a couple of things. Quick quick note on, I'm like, you were talking about how trucking the downturns and all. Fortunately, I got lucky. I started, you know, as a company driver. I worked at home, Merchant's Home Delivery Service. That way I owned my own truck. And that was like, you know, the work, you couldn't, we couldn't, you, you could only do so much work in the day, you know what I mean? You can only oh, do so many yeah. deliveries, whatever could fit in your truck, you know? So, so I was fortunate enough to do well at that. Then I got a tractor trailer that I leased onto them and I did store shuttles for the okay. company that I worked for. Right. And that was another one, free, free at yeah. will. You know, you could only get so much product to people. I mean, we could only work so long, you know? Right. And right. I, I got rid of, then I went into, went into hauling garbage. I bought a, a big truck, I, hauled, I worked for Wills transport, all garbage from East Coast out to Ohio and all over the place. And I never was, fortunate enough, I was never in a downturn. When I went to hauling frozen fish, it was a boom. I just kept, I just, it seemed to me I got lucky as I'm going along and it's still, and, and I hear people struggling. I'm like, my God, I, think, I sit back, like you just said, this made me think of it. I said, man, I've been so fortunate not to have to worry, you know, even if I was a company driver or, or either way, wherever I was at, I always had work. You know, so, feel for the people out there, you know, you know that, aren't, that don't, that, aren't, that didn't do the right thing, you know? Yeah. Well, I do too. I mean, I don't, I don't like to be, you know, now saying, Hey, look, you should have been doing this. I don't want to point it out now. Right. 
been pointing it out for several years. I've been trying to get people to pay attention. Uh, so we'll see. You know, Merchants yeah. Home Delivery, you mentioned them. I've talked about them before. That That's the company. I yep, did a yep. big, big project. My first really, really big project. They paid me $10,000 to write a business manual for their contractors. And back then for me to get paid $10,000 for one thing. Now, writing was hard. That that writing that book was monumental chore for me. I was... There was a time I was getting up at like 3.30 every morning, so I had time to write. Because once phones start ringing and the day starts, then I'm toast. Yeah, I can't you can. write anymore. So that was a big deal. And then I, I worked with them very closely for an entire year. We were going to roll out a big accounting project. And I've told the story that the day I was giving the final presentation with everybody in the room, <laughs> the CEO, everybody, the company got bought. And it was announced in the middle of my presentation and we just quit. We quit at lunch. The project died. A year's worth of work done, disappeared. Then that guy ended up calling you back who found it or down the road. I, I remember that. Sorry. Like, yeah. Like a year or two later, somebody <laughs> found the program stuffed in a desk somewhere and said, Hey, this is a really good program. Why don't we do this? And I said, yeah, no, thanks. Not going through yeah, that. No. <laughs> Another neat thing too, I just found out yesterday. I, my my truck that I drive dumped the transmit something with the transmission autos. So I had my mechanic, but it was the boss's son with me. We we actually have a truck down at the at the truck show in Louisville. What a dump truck! They have like a new kind of like all electronic. You know, you can't ride with the beds up in the air. It won't <laughs> go over five miles an hour and all that. Yeah. So they actually have. It's pretty neat because we've had people go down the road. We have one take out a quarter mile of tele telecommunications down in South Carolina. Wow. It's unbelievable. The company, they actually have the truck there. It's all pink. We have a couple of women drivers and one woman's going to get it, but it's pretty neat. I, I he actually showed me a picture of it yesterday, but cool. so if anybody's there going there, they can check it out. That's yeah. <laughs> now, now to the reason why I called my, it's actually going to happen today. The money for my mom's house is coming. You know, it's getting wired. Okay. I want to do something for my two grandsons. Now I, I did, I did it for my kids years ago for something for like a college fund or whatever. What would you recommend doing that? And should I, I should do it in their, their uh, social security numbers too, right? How, how old are they? They're um, three and one, okay. almost one and a half. Okay. I'm going to say this and I'm half joking, sort of. So it's interesting. I just right. saw something about this. I don't remember... It may have been a social media post even. I don't remember where I saw it, but somebody was, t you've heard me talk about paying your children or your grandchildren, right? Right, yep, huge, yep. huge tax advantage, and yep. then we can actually do qualified retirement accounts for them. That's kind of where I'm going with this. But I saw something okay. yesterday, they were talking about this, and what the guy said was absolutely brilliant. I never thought about this. I've said... So the, the IRS has a whole set of rules for this. This isn't any kind of weird, you know, loophole. There's a whole section in the code that tells us about how we can pay our children and our grandchildren. The rules are very clear. It's a, it's a nice tax advantage to do it. It's simple. But the, 
work has to be reasonable for their age and they have to actually be working. You can't just pencil whip this. It should be, they should be doing something. And I've always said that may be a bigger advantage to me than the tax advantage, working with your children, being able to teach them about business. I think there's so many advantages to that. So make it real. Here was the idea the guy had. He said, right. you know, my, my child's only one. He said, so the only thing I could come up with is she can baby model for our marketing. And I thought, oh, hell yes. That is an awesome idea. Absolutely. No doubt about it. That is a legitimate yeah. job. There are babies out there that make all kinds of money modeling. So absolutely. I would be all for that one. If I had kids again, I may just use that one. Now you would have to have some marketing and, and again, you have to make this real, but here's a, a good example. Dude, of this, I'm a actually. company driver, so I don't have any kind of, I, I know, yeah, see, I don't I have know. any, I don't have a business. So. Gotta figure something out on that. So there's where I was okay. going. If we can do that, if we have the ability to put these kids to work so that they actually have real income, then we can do this in a Roth because we don't need a tax right. advantage for them because there's no tax to be paid. They get so tax, to invest yep, into a Roth. Yep. They will never pay a penny of tax on this money. They didn't pay tax when they got it. They'll never Damn. pay tax on any of the growth. It's, it's one of the biggest opportunities that I'm aware of in this country to make a bunch of money without ever paying tax on it. So here's what I would recommend. What, mm. how, however much you choose to do or how you choose to do it, if it's, um, let me try to. I'm looking at 10 probably a piece, 10,000. Okay, and that's what so I was If you want to use a round number. Here's how I would do that then. I would start now. You started to ask about details, like whose name should it be in. I'm not even going to attempt to cover right. that on the air. You need to find a certified okay, financial cool. planner to work with you on this. I got one. Good. Good. Yep. They'll, yep. It's, not, it's not difficult. It's just too complicated to talk about on the air, and there's too many variables. No, no I know. But I, I won't be able to ask for sure. If you have a CFP, they'll handle this easy. It's not that big of a deal. I just don't want you doing this on your own, not the account setup. No, no. Right. Because no, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, I thought, I just thought, I just, like I said, I, I just thought maybe you were aware. I know I might be talking about that one. We're getting your kids to work, but not like, I, I can't do that. But yeah, here, here's what I would do. Honestly, he, he's, he's the, good. The guy I got's good. So. And he may but, have some advice. And obviously if you're working for him, you want to take his advice or at least, you know, run my idea by him and see what he thinks. Or if he has something to add to it, I would keep it really, really simple. I would dollar cost average. Um, let me think if we have 10,000, I would do 500 a month. So what you do okay. is you take the 10,000, you open the account, whichever account your financial planner determines is best for, for them and you, you open the account with the cash, right. the full 10,000, the 10,000 goes into what's called a money market account. It's just a holding account. You can't lose any right. money. Yep. I'm, and, okay, good. And you can, I'm familiar with that. You'll make a little bit of interest. So there are some money market accounts paying three, four, four and a half percent right now. That's not bad. Nice little bonus. Yep. And then from that money market account, you set up an automatic investment of 500 a month into the S&P 500 index fund. That's all I would do. 
Okay. And then just and just just leave it at that, and and then. That's it. Hell, I know he'll move. I'm not. I'm, I'm not worried about the taxes. Just do that. Okay. Yes. Now, there's another question. Okay. Okay. What now? Now I got. I, I got crazy like three years ago. I bought a a, a, a big Dodge pickup truck. Okay. Ton of money. I've been paying my payments high, but I can afford it. Otherwise, I wouldn't have got it. It's I owe like fifty five thousand on it, and it's only like a four point something percent interest rate on it. Should I just pay that thing off and then start? Take a dip, take them, take them, put more money into my 401k from work. Yes. I mean, cause then, you know what I mean? I could, I, or yes. I just got wipe. I'm that's what I'm thinking. Like you said, pay that debt down. I wipe that out. And then I don't, you know what I mean? I don't have, I have, I could, you know, let, let more money coming in. I'll just distribute more to my 401k. Yes. Yeah. Now, if you said, look, everything is kind of tight, I can barely make the payment. I'm a little worried about it. We'd be talking about how do we get rid of this thing? If I, if you didn't right. have oh, yeah, enough yeah. cash, if I was a little worried about that, we might say, look, suck it up, eat the four and a half percent because you need to hold on to your cash right now. But it sounds yeah, to me right. like you're pretty comfortable. I'd rather just get rid of the debt yeah. and be done with it. That's what, I, I mean, that's what I was thinking. Because I had asked my financial guy, right, like maybe like eight months ago. And he was like, no, that's low. Are you struggling? I said, no. And he said, well, just, you know, put as much as you can comfortably into your 401k, which I did. And then, uh, you know, this, if you're good with it. Now yeah. when I'm now I'm going, now it changed because, like, it changed in eight, six months, eight months. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and if this were an 8% loan, it would have been totally different. It would have been, yes, pay it off no matter what. It's four. So you kind of think, well, not a big deal. This isn't costing us a ton of money. Maybe we just let it ride. Well, so you've got more cash around. Still thirteen to fourteen thousand dollars you're paying. Yeah. yeah, I could go either way on this one. Okay, I'd rather. I'd rather. To me, it would make me feel better is that I've that 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 that's wiped out. Then that's the again answer. I'm taking money out. That, yeah, right, that's okay. the answer. All right now. Yeah. One more. Okay. <laughs> so I was looking. I bank with TD Bank. I looked on. They have like. Money markets for like six months, a year. I'm not not money markets, CDs. CDs. I'm going to have another hundred thousand, probably whatever. Take individuals and and, and space them out. Like do so. Or just dump it all. I don't because I want to be able to have some liquid cash somewhere. Some you know what I mean. So right so I now, can, if in if, case something happens, and I'm looking at doing this with some cash as well. I'm watching CD rates. My number's kind of five, and I have seen a couple advertised at five recently right there on the line. If I can get a solid 5% on a CD, I would take half of my available cash to invest, not half of all of my available cash, but whatever chunk I have sitting around saying, well, I could play with this a little bit. I would take half into a six month CD. Wouldn't go any longer than six months right now. And I wouldn't invest any more than half. But I also, I've been watching this too, and I'm kind of sitting back waiting and I feel like, well, wait a minute, while, go up. while I'm so waiting, I'm still missing out on this interest. So maybe I should get a little bit of the 5%, money. Yeah. Right. Let's get a little bit of money in there for a Garden. short period and then money. keep an okay. eye on them. Yeah. Period. Yep. Okay, cool. That's what I was thinking. I just, like I said, I, I've been keeping my eye on it and trying to, you know, do my homework and stuff. And it's like, man, I, you know, I, got, I can call my CPA guy up, but it's now it's tough, obviously, because he does taxes, you know, so oh, you, yeah. you know, to get him on yeah. the phone now, you, you know what I mean? You know, you know, you know, the deal on it. Doesn't it but, feel. Yeah, all right, cool. I kind of reaffirms what, 
Doesn't it feel good Go to be playing on the positive side of the economy? Yeah, you know what, though, man? I've always done, you know, there was times I struggled when I when I got divorced and stuff like that, you know, with child support and all, but that's a, but that was my, you know, my doing, you know, I, I lived with it. I dealt with it. You know, I struggled. I shouldn't say struggle. I just had to, you know, live a different lifestyle. Right. No. And, and again, that was my doing. So I can't blame anybody for that. But now that I'm, you know, I'm coming around and then I got that money from my mom. It's just like, I just don't want to wander it, obviously, you know, and I want to make sure that, you know, I can, You've got a good plan. You're all okay. set. I appreciate. I appreciate that, Kevin. You know your words. I, I like your advice, and I really do appreciate your help, man. You're I'll welcome. Let Thanks for the call. Let's go to Florida, Matt. Welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. Good morning. Fine. So, first, what you were just talking about there—the word dollar cost average—I've done that with everything, even small amounts. So if you were just saying six months CD, yes. and you got a lump sum, take your lump sum, divide it by six, put that much in every month. It's going to take you six months to get it in. And on the seventh month, you've already got some renewing that if you need it for liquid, you got it or reinvest it. There's a, there's a term for that too. It's used more so with bonds, but the same thing now with CDs. We don't use it with CDs because for the last 20 years or longer, nobody was investing in CDs. They're junk. Because they're junk. They weren't paying anything. So now we're back to talking about them again, but we would call what you just described that six month and each month you're getting a new six month CD. That's what you're talking about here. So on month one, you take that amount and you buy a six month CD. The next month you buy another six month CD it's a month older. And then, like you said, by the time you get to the six month, your first one. So we call that laddering. It's done with bonds. You, you buy bonds like that. Same strategy here, which is a great idea. Yeah, that's, I mean, most of my, I mean, I'm down to things are weekly now. I've, I've got there you several go. things that are getting yeah. invested every week. There you the, go. Good. The, the dollar amounts and, you know, volatility, it's, one week from the next can be a big difference. So really instead of monthly, I've been doing it weekly. Yeah. No, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, um, that, that's being active with your investments and it will pay off. Yep. The main reason for my call today is politics. And I'll start the first one talking about Donald Trump and last week with the whole DA and whatever there. Yeah. You kind of said I was off last week, so I didn't wasn't really active with anything. But I've listened to several calls now from last week, and you talked about it a few times, or, or even this week. Did you notice who talked about that the most? Who really made it a front page story? No, Donald Trump did. I yeah will probably get arrested this week. Oh yeah, He's well trying to get himself in the news. He was the one That's that did start it. Of it. But you know, here's the thing. I agree. You're right. He was the one that that made a big deal out of it. But clearly, something was going on, or the DA would have come out and said, "He's a lunatic. We're not going to do anything like that." There's no talk. But they didn't. So there was something going on. 
Yeah, but I, I don't think it was that big of a deal until. Well, hold on. You know, Trump if, passed. if he were to be indicted, that that it, that second that would be a big deal, huge deal. So if there was something yeah. in the works, and clearly there was, where like I said, they would have come out and said he's a lunatic, They're, he's an idiot. There's nothing like that at all. But they didn't. So this guy was thinking about trying it, and had he tried, that would have been the story itself, not what happens after. It would just would have been a big deal. We've never yeah. ever, in the entire history of this country, prosecuted a president. But typically, in an investigation, they don't tip their their hand on what their plans are. They could confirm, yes, we have we have an investigation going on. But they won't confirm whether or not they're going to indict somebody. Well, right. The grand jury proceedings are supposed to be secret. We had that lunatic girl. It's hard to call her a woman. She was acting like a goofy teenager. Um, She was the the foreman of the grand jury, and she's on the talk show circuit talking about it all. Yep. So... (laughs) The next subject is, you know, I, I think Donald Trump's a waste of time. I wish he would go away. I, That's my personal opinion, I but kind of do too. Um, you've mentioned before over the last couple of years about how things are changing in our society, and they just come out of nowhere, like all of a sudden. Right. Right. The. You mean even Black Lives Matter? It's right. been around, but it, you know, it really blew up with George Floyd. Just got huge, and the defund police. You know, different At, things. The first time, though, actually, just, BLM really blew up, and we kind of knew who they were. Was um, oh, the what was the city in Missouri? Um, oh, Ferguson. Ferguson. That's when. But even. But then you're right really took off with George Floyd. But BLM, I was aware of BLM with the Ferguson issue. And after that, you know, then I started reading more and more stories about the organization. It wasn't mainstream. It wasn't being talked about everywhere. It really did take off after George Floyd. I'm not going to be able to give you details and explain this. So everybody needs to go listen to this podcast mentioned many times, Micro, the way I heard it, is the name of this podcast. The one that came out Monday, he interviewed Barack Ramaswamy. They talked very little about his campaign. They just kind of talked about issues. Right. And they go into a lot of detail with, like, BlackRock and how... The whole woke movement, I mean, you know, his book, Woke, Inc., explained a lot of it, but I don't remember hearing this part in the book, that our investing organization are forcing large companies to do things. They, they won't invest in the companies if they're not a diversified ESG. board of directors. ESG. Yeah, that's, yeah, there, and there's a whole alphabet soup right. of a lot of things they go through. Right. I couldn't even 
tell you what half of them are. I know. I've never heard of them. D-E-I-E-S-G. Oh, There's a whole alphabet soup. So majority of Americans, their investing is through their workplace retirement. So we are taking our retirement money, individuals, and forcing American companies to make bad decisions. Yes. And yet at the same time, they're also investing in Chinese companies against us that are not playing by the same rules. Yeah. It's it's really a horrible situation. That So it is. It's just unbelievable. It, it, it is. It actually- Without even addressing that directly, since you brought up Vivek Ramaswamy, and I've been talking about him a lot, here's what I wish could happen. Uh, Because I have a feeling how this is going to go. You know, it's kind of ironic. We're giving the left hard time because they are electing people because of the way they look, right? Or, Or they're who they sleep with or what their gender is. I mean, we've talked about this a lot. We're criticizing the left because of their gender politics or their identity politics, voting for somebody not because of their qualifications, but because they fill a certain category. I'm afraid the Republicans are going to make the opposite mistake. Unfortunately, they're going to look at this guy and his name, and they're going to dismiss him. Vivek Ramaswamy? I just think the conservatives are going to have a hard time with this. I wish if it were, let's the three in my mind, I don't know what the polls show right now, but in my mind, the three most interesting candidates on the Republican side are Trump, not because I'm interested in him, but because he's a lightning rod for everything. He's going to, he will impact this election in big, big ways that we can't even predict. So you have to watch him. Obviously, DeSantis is right up there at the very top. I would put Ramaswamy up there. Maybe not in the polls. Maybe he doesn't even have a chance at this. I don't know. But I wish, I wish somehow that we could only hear from these three and we didn't have a name or an identity. Just listen to what the three of them are saying and then make up your mind. You know what I mean? But I I just don't think the Republicans are ready to elect somebody named Ramaswamy. Probably not, but his, the one thing he does say in this interview, his first executive order is going to be to do away with affirmative action. Which is awesome. That's what I mean. He is saying things he- that, that very, very few politicians have been willing to even whisper And he's shouting, this is what I'm going to do. I'll get rid of, and look, whether he can or not really depends on Congress and a whole bunch of other things, but you still should be electing a leader that you want to do those things, the right things. Whether or not he can do it, our our government and our system's complicated for a reason, but I still want to vote for the guy who wants to do the right things get rid of affirmative action, and I believe his second step is get rid of the Department of Education. I don't know that there's much more we could do that would be more important for the future of our country than get rid of the Federal Department of Education. And he has researched it on affirmative action because that 
was an executive order or is an executive order from Lyndon Johnson. Right. So it came into yeah, effect. Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't so voted any president on. Can just, right. Yeah. Any president can have uh, an executive order to eliminate that one. That's right. So, yeah, so and, he, he already knows he can and, do that. And let's think about this. If that's the case, and I didn't know that till now. I mean, I thought this must have been something that was voted on and is actually law. And if that's the case, where were all the conservative presidents? Why didn't they just get rid of this a long time ago? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's not as biggest issue as I think some people think it is, but it only applied to government, never applied to private business. The only now, way, well, hold on, taking it up. There, there is a little bit of an exception to that private businesses that want government contracts. Yes. That's how it's been applied in private business, but it's right. never actually been a law. Here's the thing, whether it was a law yeah, or not, but, just the idea just the idea that we say we are colorblind in this country and everybody is equal, which it should be, that's the way it is and should be, then we should never have anything like an affirmative action program. It makes no sense. How can you say we have affirmative action for this group, but everybody's equal? Yeah, so we, you know, he says we need the best of the best. Right. People are appointed based on merit or experience, you know, effectiveness, sexual orientation or race has nothing to do with and, with anything. And as look, far as if doing the job, if if the most qualified person is purple and has three eyeballs, I don't care. I don't care what they look like. I don't care what their religion is. I don't care who they sleep with. That this is about effectiveness. I just want the most effective person there, nope. and, and that's whether it's government or business. Other- want to deal with businesses that hire competent people. I don't want to hire businesses that, or I don't want to work with businesses that hire people based on how they look or who they sleep with or any of that goofy criteria. That doesn't matter. He has no speech writers. He doesn't write any speeches for himself. He speaks. And he speaks really well. Talk about a guy who, yep. who has his finger. If he's going to talk about a topic, he understands the topic. And if you watch, if somebody throws him a, a curveball out of left field, he knows that topic too. He's very well prepared for this. And... The one thing I I will say about Trump, I said it throughout the whole time, I'll still say it. He worked hard. He was one of the hardest working presidents. And, you know, all the stories about, oh, no, he's golfing all the time. No, he was a hardworking president. He campaigned hard. He worked hard. But I'll tell you what, Vivek Ramaswamy is putting him to shame. I've never seen anybody give so many interviews. And like you said, he no speeches. He's not talking about his campaign. He is talking about topics and he has them figured out and he has his opinions. This is so refreshing. We haven't heard this from a politician and I can't remember when. Well, yeah, and that's, I, we talked about this many months ago 
just about the whole cost of elections. Oh, yeah. And with all the different social media platforms and all that, why a guy couldn't run a cheaper campaign nowadays. And that's what he's really trying to do. I mean, he's all over social media and he's doing a grassroots campaign. I'll tell you how much he's on Twitter. There's a feature on Twitter where if you want to be notified when somebody posts, you know, you can follow people and then you tend to see their post, but you can also have a notification every time they post. I had to turn it off for him. That's how much he's posting. And I'm interested in what he's posting and I'm reading it. I'm learning a lot. But at some point, it's just like all day long. That's how busy he is just on Twitter. Maybe he's competing with Elon. <laughs> Elon's usually, you know, responding to him. It's kind of funny to watch this stuff happening in, in real yep. time. But And most of what he posts are videos of interviews. I'm like, how does he find all this time to do all these interviews? Nope. I don't know if you ever said this on the air, if you ever heard about it, but Ron DeSantis. Remember Elon Musk said... He would come out and probably support Republicans, and yes. he offered to support DeSantis. Uh, Did you ever hear DeSantis's reply? No. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant and hilarious all at the same time. DeSantis said, I would gladly accept support from the African Americans. <laughs> Elon is a funny guy. You know, he's got a very, very yeah. odd, dry sense of humor, but he's a funny guy. That's a, that is a great line. Well, yeah, and, and for people who don't, didn't get it, don't understand it, uh, Elon Musk is from South Africa. Yeah. He's an African native. Yeah, he is. But he's white. Yeah, but he's an African-American. <laughs> the way we use the term, he's an yep, African-American. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, interesting. So, well, yeah. I'll let you move along because I know. Oh, no. You, actually, you don't have Rolling Toe today. They're at the truck show. No, but man, I just looked. I am going to boot you because, man, oh, man, I didn't realize we had that many phone lines. Everybody wants to talk today, so we better get to it. Let's go to Georgia. Philip, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin, great show today. I'm learning all kinds of stuff. Can't wait to try out some laddering and the baby modeling thing is brilliant. Oh, I was, as soon as I read that, I'm like, this guy's a genius. I can't believe I didn't think of that one. My, my son, I have a new grandson and that is definitely going to be something that <laughs> worked into the equation for there, sure. There you um, go. But I, hey, hey, think about it. Let, I have a question. Let, let's stay on that for a second. The one thing I've said about yeah. owner-operators forever, trucking, really, we do almost no marketing. You think of trucking companies, trucking companies, until they are huge, really do no marketing whatsoever. I'm thinking of companies like, uh, oh, I know, I don't even know if, I think somebody bought them. Saya for a while was running commercials. Old Dominion, I see, runs a lot of TV commercials. That's rare. We do very little marketing in trucking, but I've always said there's a way to create an advantage just because we don't market in trucking. Why don't you market yourself, market yourself to brokers? What if you 
Here's a way to use that baby modeling thing in a legitimate way. I would create a one page marketing sheet that I would either email as a PDF to brokers or I would stop in and meet them and hand it to them. And it would tell my story. Here, here's what my trucking company is all about. No, oh, by the way, it's a family oriented business. And that's where I'd have the picture of the grandkids. And, and that becomes a very legitimate business reason to pay those those kids and grandkids, even one-year-olds, six-month-olds. Babies are babies. This is a brilliant idea. I couldn't agree more, and I'm doing it. That Whoever came up with that idea, if it was you, it's absolutely brilliant, and I'm, I'm definitely doing it. Good. My question, though, was a, a brokerage situation. I, I'm, a, I'm a carrier. I've got a bunch of trucks, and I do a lot of business with UPS. Um, and all my drivers are owner operators. Okay. UPS has, UPS has a couple of different visions that they set out on. And the, and the one that I do, the vision that I work with is only, it only works with companies that have their own trucks. Okay. That's it. Or, or owner operators. Owner operators is fine too, but you cannot broker their freight. Got it. I recently got in, involved. I recently got involved in the other side of it, where they do let you broker there for a couple. There's a couple other divisions, and they send out these bids all the time. And I'm I'm bidding on them with these crazy rates, and I actually won one. And now I'm brokering. It's a different. It's a different company. It's not the same. It's not the same name as as the company that I'm with UPS with, but they okay. they approve me as a brokerage. So okay. I've got two businesses under UPS, one's a carrier, one's a broker. And you do have brokerage authority, right? I do have brokerage okay. authority under that new company. Okay, perfect. When I broke, I, I, have, I have to now put trucks on that, this new run that I, that I won, that I, right. I won the bid. Yep. So I went out on that and I posted it and I found a carrier that said he can do it. And he, he did it last weekend. I think everything's okay, but I suspect that he is, giving it to another carrier. He doesn't actually have his trucks doing it. That could be. Is that double brokering? No. And neither really? was. Now, now, let me clarify something. I'm sure all industries are like this, but I, I know trucking. We take terms and we bastardize them because there's no clear definition. And then people start using them in different ways. Owner operator, lease operator. There's a ton of terms that we use wrong sometimes or we use in different ways and it gets confusing. Double brokering is one of them. In my mind, the term double brokering was used to indicate an illegal situation. The term co-brokering was always used for what you're talking about. Co-brokering is 100% legal. There is nothing at all wrong with co-brokering. Now, the owner operators and the carriers don't like it because now they're seeing, oh, wait a minute, two people got a piece of that load or three people got a piece of that load. My opinion is I don't care if 33 people got a piece of it. I will only accept it if I like the rate. So what do I care who else got a piece of this? If there's still enough left that I'm good with the rate, then I don't care how many people got a piece of it. That in my mind has always been co-brokering 
completely legal. If you don't like it as a carrier, then don't work with brokers that do that. But if you like the rate, who cares? Now, in my mind, double brokering was always the term we used to refer to an illegal situation. And here's the difference. Let's say you accepted that original load as a carrier and you don't even have brokerage authority. Then you go out and broker that load. That is a double brokered load and it's illegal. You didn't have the authority to do it. It's when a carrier takes a load from a broker and then re-brokers it without having authority. But now double brokering is used to describe all kinds of screwy stuff. So that's why everybody's confused. Well, that, that straightens it out for me. I'm not doing any, based on what you just said, I'm not doing anything wrong. I don't no, care how many people step on it. If right. 10 people can make money. As long as I'm happy with the money I'm making and the truck and the driver's happy and everybody's happy, then who cares? I'm just, I, I, it's perfect. Yeah. Who cares? Look, it's it's nice. not, it's hey. not that much different from our retail system. We our store. We go buy things at a wholesale price and then we resell them at a resale price and we make a little piece of it. Now in retail, if the company's small enough, I can sometimes buy directly from that company. And that's almost no, it is all of our arrangements are directly with the company that produces the product. But once you get up to bigger companies, and we don't deal because of food and supplements, we really like the small companies we're dealing with. But at some point, we've looked at a couple companies, we like their products, we can't buy directly from them. We have to buy from a distributor. So now the manufacturer sells the product to a distributor, the distributor then sells it to retailers. It's no different. It's the same thing. Multiple people in the middle of the transaction making some money. I don't care. As long as I can get the margin we need to be able to sell the product at a profit, I'm okay with that. Me too. That sounds great. That's that's really good news. Because, you know, you don't want to be doing something illegal with a big company like UPS. I could jeopardize oh, yeah, the, yeah. the real but side of my here, the, here's, the big side. Here's so, just yeah. the one thing to be prepared for. Most owner operators don't understand this. They think this this co-brokering, which I think is the proper term, this co-brokering is illegal or it's bad or they don't want to deal with it. Well, fine, don't then. If you don't like it, then that's your option. Don't deal with it. But it's not illegal. And, and in my opinion, it's not immoral. There's nothing at all wrong with it. It's just business. But just be prepared. You, If somebody figures it out, you'll be accused of double brokering and all kinds of crazy stuff. Okay. I'm just going to, I'll talk my way through it. Just like what you just did. It's, it's very logical. It happens in all these other industries. It's how business works all across the country. Why would it be any different for me? It shouldn't be. Nice. Very nice. Hey, and speaking of your store, I just bought some of that. I think it, is it magnesium? The, the new powder you have in there? Yeah. Yep. I've been putting it in my bulletproof coffee. Is that okay? Or is that Perfect. too much? All the light balance and no, all the other stuff. If it'll go in there and you can drink it, put it in there. You don't like the taste? I don't like the taste. You know, Sarah called yesterday and I think Sarah explained what's going on. Did you hear that call? No, I didn't. 
So we have we have something in our store. We don't talk about them a lot and we don't really sell a lot of them, but it's in there and we have talked about it in the past. They're called taste and score minerals. And what it is, is they take a mineral, any mineral that we need in our body and they they put it in water. It's called an aqueous solution. So the mineral is suspended in water. They call them taste and score because you can actually use this process to determine if you have a deficiency of a mineral. So if you take a mineral, the one we, there are several we've, we've done this quite a bit with, but you take the mineral in this water and you just, with a dropper, you just put it on your tongue. If your body is deficient in that mineral, you won't taste anything at all. It just tastes like water. And you think, well, there's nothing in this, just water. If you aren't deficient in it, if you have enough of that mineral in your body, for some reason, it tastes awful. And it's like a signal really? your body gives out, hey, you don't need any more of this stuff because we don't want an overload of minerals. Too, too much of any one mineral can cause issues, worse than vitamins and, and some other things. So this is the body's kind of, warning sign hey don't eat or drink whatever this is you already have enough of this and maybe that's what's going because i take one stick of the magnesium every day already on its own and then when i tried the shut eye chai that has more magnesium in it i couldn't drink it it tasted so bad <laughs> and somebody else drank it and said it's not that bad at all what are you talking about and i it might just be this whole mineral thing I have plenty of magnesium in my body saying, no, don't take any more. Yeah, yeah. You're balanced. I'm not. Mine's yeah. fine. It doesn't taste bad to me at all. There you go. If it does someday, all right, then you'll cool. know why. Thanks so much. <laughs> yep, I appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to New York. Ed, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. I've only got a minute or two here. I'm going to lose you, my cell coverage, but... Uh... This part with train derailments, it's a lot worse than what you're actually hearing. I'm a former really? road employee and back driving truck. Yeah. Yep. I ran trains for 15 and a half years, uh, the conductor for 16 and a half, and Norfolk Southern in Ohio had a bad derailment last year. They covered it up. They Did only they? reported five cars derailed, like 20. Yeah, they got really? caught here recently by the FRA. Unbelievable. There's a dollar amount where they got a report, and they will lie, they'll cheat, they'll steal. They hate employees who submit safety cards. They want employees who are dumb, young, and hungry for money. Unbelievable. And, uh, it's a lot worse. It is. And I'm out of the industry, but I can tell you right now, I've worked with several guys who are former truck drivers who went to work for the railroad. We're all back driving truck. The railroads hated us because we knew equipment. We knew de right. defects. We reported stuff. Wow. And the, the, the American corporations run by big, big money funds, and they don't want to delay a train. And it all goes back to a guy named Hunter Harrison. He showed the stock market people how to make how to make money by cutting maintenance and oh yeah, punishing yeah. people punishing people for being honest. So. <sighs> It, it, you know, it was bad enough when we we heard that it happens at least once a week. That was so shocking. If like not to you, obviously, you you know what goes on in the industry, but we don't. 
And to hear that it happens once a week was bad enough. Now to hear that even the reports we're getting, might they might just be outright lying and still covering stuff up is really crazy. Well, I can tell you the truck driver inspected by state DOTs four times in one week, including having the feds test my fuel twice, which is more than I ever got met an FRA official in 16 and a half years. Wow. Wow. That's just yep. insane. You know, and, and it bothers and, and if you call the FRA, if you call the FRA and they report something, the companies know exactly who you are because you reported the issue before. So they target you for termination. They screwed your pay. They screwed your vacation. They give you false calls. They do all kinds of stuff and they really try to aggravate you to quit. Unbelievable. And if you're a whistleblower, like I was, you'll never get a job in the railroads again. I can see that. And the big it, thing, big thing with railroad, the big thing with road workers is getting 360 months in to hey, get your retirement, which is better than Social Security. Oh yeah, I have a question though. If it's so hard on these whistleblowers, and you can't get a job, and you end up out of the industry, where the hell's the union? My union actually sold me down the river. My union official became a company no, official. No, it isn't so. so Oh, yeah. Well, put it this way. Him cannot see eye to eye without a set of lawyers in the room, so. Yeah, so much for I've the actually union. took my company to court. I took my company to do OSHA. OSHA dropped the ball. I took my case to federal court, and they broke me financially. And I settled. It wasn't something I got, but I beat them. But it was a hard one. Sounds like victory. it. Yeah, well, it's. It's slowly coming to light how dangerous this entire industry really is. Well, it got dangerous because they got rid of people. And I can tell you right now, those cars that derailed or the one who caused the derailment in East Palestine, that was preventable. It's called, they call it a brake test, but that's actually a slang term. The proper term is a mechanical inspection of the train. Before a train leaves a major terminal, the brakes have to work 100%. And, uh, I, matter of fact, the guy who fired me, he got a $154,000 bonus that year for firing me. He's now just a superintendent and I have had him give me what they call brake slips. That's the confirmation that brake test has been done. There were absolute falsifications and I, I confronted him about it. So he gave me another brake test slip and I told him it's a fake one too. <laughs> I pissed him off so bad. He asked, he demanded to know how I knew and I wouldn't tell him. And eventually over the year, over the years, he demanded I quit if I didn't like the situation until they constructively fired me through company hearings. And I eventually, eventually had a stroke running train and I couldn't answer. I didn't know what happened to me. And it took me a couple of years of therapy, talking to some really serious doctors. I couldn't even, I went back to driving truck. I went for road tests. I kept my CDL up over the years. Good. I couldn't shift the 10 speed and I couldn't back up and I still got hired. <laughs> yeah. Well, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. And clearly we have some safety issues of our own in this industry. There's no doubt. Um, but the, the railroad seems like it's way more dangerous than what we ever thought. Hey, Ed, I'm going to cut you loose. The calls are still piling up on me here. Thanks for the inside info on that. It sounds like it's actually worse than what we are even finding out now. Let's go to New Mexico. Brian, welcome to the program. 
Hey, Kevin. Hey, I got two things. One is about the investing on the children. I actually just did this with Charles Schwab with for my grandson, and it's really easy. I recommend Charles Schwab with for their checking, their brokerage, and their Roths. But I went in there. I told the guy I wanted a like a some type of investment for my grandson. He's like, it's called a custodial Roth IRA, and I'm the custodian. And I have to name somebody. If somebody, um, if some something happens to me, then it will go to my son. And then, by default, at 21, my grandson and I would go into Charles Schwab, fill out the paperwork, and then it automatically turns into a regular Roth IRA in his name. So now me- I can change that to 18, 19, or 20. <sighs> O- only, okay, go ahead. only 20? No, no, no. By default, it's 21. At yeah. 21 years oh. old, oh, no. he, oh, he gets Now it. I heard what you said. Okay. So I was going to make a recommendation, and when you threw that out there, it confused me. My recommendation? Yeah. When you do this for children, grandchildren, whoever, I would set that age at 30. Uh, I don't think you can. I think no, you can. By, the maximum no, is twenty more. So oh, here's, is it? and here's something else I was about to say. I'm glad you used Swab and their services, and they got you set up. What I'm saying to this guy is not going to use a brokerage because I'm always worried that they're just going to sell me one of their custodial accounts because they make more money off of it. I want an independent, certified financial planner that I pay. Not that somebody that's going to sell me some commissioned product and say, oh, no, I do all my planning free. No, you don't. Nobody does anything free. Uh, You're doing the planning because you want to sell me the commissioned product. So I'd rather just pay for the advice and, and not be committed to buying something from somebody. Nothing wrong with the way yours got set up. But we don't know that the next situation is the same as yours. That's why I won't do it on the phone. I won't make a direct recommendation on the phone because I don't have all the information. The the type of custodial account you have or the arrangement you have may be right for you, might not be right for this guy. So when I do financial planning on the air, I try to keep it big picture and general because there's too many details I won't know about somebody to be able to give them that advice. But there are absolutely uh ways that we can control that money until they're any age we want to give it to them. You may not use custodial Roth for that. There may be a different way we have to set it up, but I can do it. And my point is, there's a couple things. Just our society today, the way our society is kind of designed and laid out, I don't believe we're, we're really getting well-developed young adults in their 20s anymore. I I think it gets a little worse every year that, you know, now you're seeing people still living in their parents' basement at 32. And a lot more of that. So my point is, with all the issues with drugs in our society, what a problem they are, I'm not giving a whole bunch of money to a 20-year-old. Just isn't happening. Not even a 25-year-old. I think I'm going to wait till they're 30. They're probably, and, and yeah, I'm going to have a clause. Misun- 
I'm going to have a clause in there that if at 30, they're a dirt bag, you know, living in the basement, eating Doritos and playing Xbox, they're not getting the money at 30 either. Yeah, and maybe I misunderstood them. I just, I thought it was by default was 21. It, now, it, no, hold with on. that being no, hold said, on. You now, may not, let me now, explain. You may not have misunderstood anything. What you were told may be exactly right for your situation. What I'm trying to say is these these accounts aren't cookie cutter. They shouldn't be. There are other ways to set this these financial arrangements up to accomplish what we want. But right. they're unfortunately well, because of the government, they've complicated the hell out of this. Okay, but let me add. Okay, so this Roth IRA. I actually went in and I chose what funds I wanted to Correct. put money in. Correct. And what I do is I just transfer the money right from my brokerage or my checking through Schwab right into there, you know, and then Correct. I put the money in into whatever I want. You know, Schwab isn't managing that, that, uh, that Roth. I'm actually managing it kind of that I, I picked what I want and I'm putting the money in. So I just wanted to make the comment about the custodial Roth IRA. But the other reason why I was calling is truck prices. I've been watching them. I want to either add a truck or um, just upgrade mine, one or the other, okay. and keep my older one as a backup. But when do you see the market on trucks hitting the bottom? I mean, I thought we would have already I, been I've there. been seeing them. And I not. thought so too. Yeah. I thought it would have been this spring. Yeah. So, and I thought there's real a estate, lot of guys complaining about rates and I, stuff. I thought real estate should have been coming down already. And it's really not. I thought the stock market should have been coming down already. And it's really not said many, many times. I hate making predictions because I hate being wrong. I was wrong on all three of these. I'm not wrong that right. they're going down. I just can't seem to figure out the timing. And, There's well, still know, a lot my, of guys over here at the star that's losing, that's turning their trucks in or losing their trucks. They just can't make a go of it with these lower rates, which I don't, well, I understand why they can't, but right. Cause they have been through it. Like you say, so they're either just trying to sell their truck for what they owe on it. They're either retiring or they're, they're waiting so, too long and then it's getting taken back. There's one of the things that keeps the prices of these trucks artificially elevated. Many of these people did a horrible job of financing the truck. They put very little down on it. They paid high interest rates. They did extended loans. So they're upside down. They can't sell the truck. They have to keep working until they go bankrupt. That's what happens in that situation. They won't sell the truck. They will wait till it gets repossessed. I've seen it happen over and over and over. And that's part of what's keeping these prices elevated. The other part is what I talked about in my open today. Inflation alone is creating part of this problem. We are starting to see the signs of stagflation, which is terrifying. Some of us remember this from the late 70s, early 80s. It was now I'm almost a little excited about it for myself personally, 
Because if you had lots of cash and no debt in the late 70s and early 80s, you were golden. If you had the opposite, a lot of debt, no cash, you were screwed. We're heading into that again. Inflation is keeping these prices elevated. Well, here's what I'm seeing is, okay, I break it down into three different ways. The big mega carriers, Swift, Schneider, they can absorb some of the lower rates, okay? Oh, sure. Then you have the, the mid-sized companies. They're not small enough where they can, well, let's go to the other end. Owner-operator, one truck, three trucks. We can pivot on a dime. Exactly. When fuel prices go up, we slow down. We we don't want to go to the Northwest. Well, guess what? I'm going to the Northwest, let's say, right. or whatever. But the mid-sized companies are having a hell of a time because they're too small to pit, you know, to absorb it, but they're too big to pivot on a dime. But the one-man operator, the owner-operators, they and I just talked to a buddy this morning that does an RGN over here, and he is he he got so used to pulling ten thousand dollar loads that now they're down at six thousand and he's like, Yeah, I don't wanna work. I don't wanna call that. Where Okay, yeah. go bankrupt, buddy. Yeah. I mean what they so, don't wanna they don't right. wanna change their mentality. So here's a good analogy of what's also going on in our economy, and I've talked about it. The the rich get richer. They did through the pandemic. The poor got poorer through the pandemic, and the middle class started to disappear. Some people in the middle class actually made it to being more wealthy. A bunch ended up at the bottom, and there's not a lot of people left in the middle. The same thing happens in business. It's what you just described. Small businesses, for the most part, can be flexible enough. They can be. It doesn't mean they are. A lot of small business will just go out of business. A lot of small business with a mindset it's like stubborn yours. stubborn and pride. Yeah. With the mindset like yours will do just fine. You see it coming. You're preparing for it. You have the mind shift. You know you have to work for less. That's just the reality of it. And you'll do it and you'll make it through. The big carriers can absorb this just because of scale. It's the owner-operators who don't understand business and the mid-sized carriers that are going to struggle the most. And the mid-sized carriers are being bought up by big carriers. That's the mergers going on. Right. So that was just the two things I had today. So Good stuff. Thanks for but. the call. Let's go to Tennessee. Jim, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Love your shows. What's on your mind today? Um, I'm a local gas hauler down here in Nashville. And a lot of my buddies, you know, I'm home every night, local. And a lot of my buddies, they do the same thing. They're, they're buying new trucks for the tax. For the tax. No uh, way. Benefits. No way. That's, oh. and is that smart? What I wanted to know. No, it's uh, there, not smart. It's one of the stupidest. He, he keeps his for three years, trades it in, does it again. And he gets, and he, he thought, is he losing like so much money. It's insane. I could walk him through. Look, okay. every time we buy equipment, here's something nobody thinks about. Every time we buy equipment, we buy it at retail the highest price possible. When we trade it, we get less than wholesale. 
one of the worst prices possible, and then we turn around and buy another truck at retail. We lose on all three transactions every time, and he's doing it three years at a time? That's insane. Yes. Now, look, let me say this. There's there's one guy said he he didn't have to pay taxes. No, that's wrong, and I'll show him the math. He has to... Let's let's just do easy math here. Let's say trucks are $100,000 right now. You buy a truck for $100,000, you get to take a $100,000 tax deduction if you want. And you can take it all in the first year if you want. So yeah, you pay no tax in that first year. Now the next year comes, second year, you don't have any depreciation if you used it all. And 100,000 that for a good owner operator, that's only enough depreciation to cover one year's worth of revenue. So what do you do in the second okay, and third? He, he has it. zero. No, hold on. Let me go through the numbers. He has zero depreciation. Right. Now, if he has a hundred thousand dollar net profit, he has a thirty thousand dollar tax bill. And in the third year, he has no depreciation. He has a thirty thousand dollar tax bill again. And in the fourth year, when he goes to buy another truck, if he gets 50000 for his on a trade-in, it's only three years old. Now he only, and then he goes That's and spends an, another 100000 to buy a new one. He doesn't get to deduct 100000 Well, he does, but he's got to pay tax. He has to recapture the 50000 he got back. So now he can't even wipe out his tax bill one year with a brand new truck. Here's here's what's happening. Because he keeps buying new trucks, he has so little profit, that's why he's not paying tax. Because he doesn't know how to run the business to generate enough profit to pay tax. All he's doing is buying himself a job and barely staying in business in good times. He'll be toast before this year's over with. I'm just going to keep my old truck. Yes. And I really appreciate you. Yes. Yeah. Now, yeah, I, I am I not thought. saying I mean, we I mean, should this- never buy a new truck. That would be hypocritical of me. I bought many new trucks. I've helped people buy new trucks. I've sold people new trucks. There is a time and a place when they work. But this idea that buying a truck every three years will keep us from ever paying tax. First off, it's just wrong. You will pay tax. And right. second, it's just not a good way to make profit. You are getting killed on every transaction, every sale, every purchase. You get killed. Like I say, you buy retail, the highest price. You trade in at wholesale, the lowest price. It's like taking the That's stock market yeah. and saying, I'm going to buy high and sell low and I'll get rich doing it. That doesn't make any sense. Well, they said something about, you know, the payments, you know, you can write off the payments. No, you can't. Write off the interest. No, you can't. Oh, you can't? Okay. Now, you can write off the entire payment if it's a lease, which then means you can't write off any interest because you already wrote off the whole payment. Now, if it's a purchase, you don't write off the payment. You write off depreciation and interest. Either way, you get to write off every penny you spend, but then you also have to recapture the amount when you trade it in or sell it. Yes, sir. 
And let me, let's, let's go one step further. Why this isn't a good idea. Does, does your truck run pretty well and make money for you? Yes, absolutely. Every day. So what that tells me is you don't really need a new truck, right? Your truck is really good for your business, right? That's a day cab, 99. I'm home every night. There you go. So now let's say, so now you're sitting there and you're successful because you've been making good business decisions. The penalty for being successful is you're going to get hit with taxes. It's just how the system works. We just have to deal with it. So let's say you're sitting on $10,000 right now and you feel like going and buying a truck so you don't have to pay tax on it, right? That's what these people are telling you to go do. So let's think it through. You currently have $10,000 in your hand and you don't need a new truck. We just agreed on that. But you're going to go buy one because your friends are telling you you don't want to pay tax. Well, You gave up the $10,000. You no longer have it. You can't use it for anything else. It's gone. You have a new truck, but it's not better than the old truck. In fact, now you're not more profitable. You're less profitable. And here's what you, here's what you could have. So is the insurance, by the way. Um, Here's what you could have done instead. Just keep the $10,000 in cash Send the 3000 that the IRS gets out of that, since you do have to pay tax on it now, and you still have $7,000 in your hand, and your business is still more profitable. Doesn't that make sense? Yes. Now, if you, if you like yeah, the other one, I have another option for you. If you just really hate paying tax, you could send that $10,000 to me right now, as a form of payment for the consulting I'm doing for you, and I'll pay the tax on it. And you'll keep the seven. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Man, you make a lot of sense. Really glad I talked to you because I was like, man, this one boy, he's like, I don't have to pay tax for five years. Oh, Jim. bullshit. Five years. You know why he thinks that? <laughs> so, one of two things he either leased the truck which is usually not a good idea. Leasing trucks in this business is not as profitable as owning trucks. So if he clearly, if he's correct that he has a write-off for five years, that doesn't mean he's not going to pay tax. But if he's correct that as he has a write-off for five years, it's only because he leased it. When you buy it, you depreciate it in three. Right. And these trucks, Kevin, are $160,000, $180,000. They're I mean, so overpriced right now. Crazy. It's insane. Three, yeah. $3,500 a month. I know. It's crazy. I know. Man, I listen to every show you do. I, every single one of them. I appreciate so. your support. Thank you. Let's go to Minnesota. Scott, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Quick question on top of the two I was going to mention. You said about magnesium that's in your store. Do you know what forms of magnesium that is, like chelate or citrate or yes, that's in that, or does it mix it all over? So that's a really interesting topic, and it's funny that was your question because we were just talking about it last night. The This is a new partnership for us. We have several forms of magnesium through our biotics products. We have Actimag. We, we also have magnesium in our light balance product. 
So magnesium is oh, okay. magnesium is the mineral that most people are deficient in. And magnesium in all of its different forms um, has lots of different functions that it can, um, I'm trying to think and I'm looking at something here. Magnesium does lots of different things based on its form. So magnesium can help a lot with constipation in some cases. You have to have the right form for that. Right. Magnesium Magnesium is a a cofactor. So by a cofactor, what we mean is there are other functions and other minerals and vitamins that do things that need... um, that need magnesium as the cofactor to make them work. That may be another form of magnesium. Magnesium can help a lot with okay. with sleep. And that's the issue we're, we're talking right. about here. So the form of magnesium is important and we are, we're getting the founder of this company. Um, I think she might be scheduled next Wednesday. We have her on as a guest, and that's what we're going to talk about, the forms of magnesium. So the, the, this new company, NED, right. is the name of the company. The, we are using in this one, is, it is magnesium lactate gluconate, and then it's actually put in an aqueous solution. Um, and then L-theanate is a, uh, another form as well. So two forms of magnesium okay, in this so, one that are targeted yeah, decent, for sleep. Decent forms. All right. Right. Cool. I'll be buying some from the store. Thank you. Well, other things I actually called in about was one, I, I do the keto and carnivore most of the times of the year. Of course, I let my ski self eat whatever I want to at Christmas and, you know, things like that, Thanksgiving. And then I, you know, I'm an owner operator, so I do flatbed. I'm on the Midwest. So usually end of January, I shut down for about six weeks. I head south down to Arizona, and I do my heavy maintenance. I tear all stuff apart myself, do my bearings and all and everything. Okay. So during that point of time, it's kind of my shutdown time. It's also my birthday month of February, so I kind of let myself just eat whatever and have my margaritas and do everything. Well, wouldn't you know it, halfway through that this year, I started getting pains in my feet, to that whatever, and it's kind of like, oh, it could be gout. It could be, you know. And I then, like a light switch, I woke up one morning and I'm like, wow, I'm just not feeling as like I normally feel. Right. Well, you know, I get home and, and go get a blood sugar tester and I had a fasting, 15-hour fasting blood three ten. Wow. On a meter. That's a bad sign. <laughs> That's what I said. I've never been over 103 was my high. My doctor checks it all the time. And usually between 95 and 100. And I think the highest I've seen is 103, and my normal A1C is probably six five to six eight. I went and had a six, full five test to done six, after eight? I had a meter and six. Mm-hmm. That's, and that's normally, normally, you know what it was this time? Nine. So six <laughs> five to six eight is diabetic. All right, but I'm like uh, nine well, is extremely diabetic. So he's like okay. Right. So, I mean, it was like a light switch, Kevin. So now I'm back and working and I cleaned up my, you know, to the good parts of my diet, do it pretty much carnivore and all that. And once you know, I've already taken that fasting blood test from 310 to 170. Excellent. 
in a matter of a week. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, it is incredible so, how fast uh, we can take it back the other way when we need to. I just got to know now that I can't have as many splurge times a year, so <laughs> I'm going to cut that. And, uh, but I'll be looking forward to Wednesday. My other question real quick was, I'm seeing, and I just saw on Fox News, a thing that says that next month the, the Fed is going to come out and say that they will be releasing the digital dollar and the paper dollar will fade out and it will be a, you will have time to sign up and get everything rolling and will be fully effective in July of this year. That is, that's total speculation. I've heard it, okay. but it, there's, there's nothing okay. that I can see that's going to make that happen. It could happen. I'm not saying it won't, but it's just pure speculation at this point. Well, you, you know what they're doing. You know, they only tell you, you know, the, the parts that I have seen that, you know, bullet points supposed to be that, that they were talking about, like uh, Fox News, was that they only tell you the good parts about it, like, Okay, this will make your money available faster. Everything will oh, be instant. The moment yeah, someone's going to pay you, you know, it'll be instantly available. You don't have to wait three days or five days for a check to clear. They always talk about the good bullet points. They don't talk about the bad parts of it. <laughs> you know, at one point I talked about digital currency and whether I thought it was a good idea or not. But at the time I was talking about private digital currencies, not a government-controlled digital okay. currency. That's a big, big difference. Right. And the problem with government-controlled digital currency is the word control. If they control our money, mm -hmm. they control everything. Yep. So, yeah, I am absolutely and exactly not. What they in, want. And if you want to know the only, the only candidate that I'm aware of who has already come out and said that he will do everything in his power to stop government digital currencies is Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, he's really getting, as much as I like Trump, I like, you know, do you so, let me remember ask you when this, Trump Scott. first ran, had really good, like. Let me ask okay, you this, because I, I agree with you. If you try to imagine this, try to imagine if you didn't know who Trump was and you didn't know who Ramaswamy was, you don't get to see them. You just get to listen to the things they're saying. Who would you vote for? It's not even close for me. Oh, it would be never. Right. Yeah. It did not follow me. So, so remember let, when let Trump first let me be clear. Both of them policy wise are pretty close to each other. Ramaswamy goes way further right. than Trump does as far as draining the swamp and really cleaning up. But, but they're pretty similar when it comes to policies and all that. It's just, it's all the other crap you have to deal with with Trump. All the name calling and all yeah, the, that's all the taunting say. of the media. Correct. That's the problem. That was the worst thing he ever did. Right. Worst thing he ever did. Oh, there. And, and you know yep. what? Understand, yep. some of us, a lot of conservatives, I'm more of a libertarian, a lot of conservatives, they their approach was, you know what? They were screwing us for so long. We love the fact that Trump screws them back. And yeah, go after them. I know it feels good. It's a really bad idea. Doesn't that go back to the old days when your parents thought you'd do wrong and don't make it right? Exactly. And, and just, <laughs> you know, sit back, be a little more humble, go fix things, and then right. that's your satisfaction. 
Go fix things. Everybody will know you That's fixed why it. I don't. I don't think Trump can win this time because, like, in the first time he ran, when he did any of the, you know, debates and all that stuff, he really did talk about the points and really talked. He wasn't going name-calling and stuff. It's as he went through his presidency, he totally transitioned to everything was about a sensational line or attacking so, somebody. When he really did have, in the beginning, real good conversations on, on what needed to be taken care of and how he thought he could do it. And he just totally got off track. And I think that's going to be what stopped him this time because no one has said, hey, you won because you did this in the beginning. There, if you're not going to go back to that, it's, end, it's the last two years of your presidency that lost you to re-election, you know? Yeah, absolutely. There are a couple things that are going to hurt him this time. Here's a big one for me. Not that I voted for him either of the first two times, so I guess it doesn't really matter, but here's one more reason I wouldn't vote for him. Have a lot of people forgotten the vaccine was his? Okay, yeah. Started under him, yep. And he he still has never denounced it. He he still does not come out and say the vaccine was a mistake. The making it mandatory for certain people was a mistake. He promoted that vaccine heavily. I think a lot of people have forgotten that. You're right. Yeah, and then the I, other, I mean, the I'll other thing that's what. going to kill him. I've never been the same since taking that vaccine. He, we have to remember, he barely won the first time. That's the way all of our elections are now. We're so divided as a country that all of our elections are nail biters and it takes us months to figure them out. They're so close. He didn't win the second time and and I'm still not convinced that was a legitimate election. Um, But they were that close. What the mistake he's making now if he can only count on his base and his base is barely enough to get him elected, we know that he lost a whole bunch of his base by coming out against DeSantis so hard. Right. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. He can't afford that's to lose gonna, any of his base. The only thing I do and, here, though, is I hear a lot of Democrats are actually looking to vote for Trump. Well, they will. They're going to do what they did in the primary. Remember, the Democratic Party spent a ton of money getting the candidates on the Republican side that they wanted elected. They got them elected. The Democrats did it. And that was their point. They knew if they could get the right person in the primary that looked too extreme, that they could then win in the general election. And it worked. Gotcha. Exactly. Yep. Okay. I can't wait to uh, for next Wednesday. And I do want to ask one thing. Were you still considering possibly your network there having another podcast partner, something that runs like a different showtime that behind you, in front of you, wherever? We, I thought you mentioned something like that one time. You thought. Yeah. Once we get our, our whole broadcast environment created. We're writing everything from scratch. We are not going to use anybody's software. We're not going to use anybody's platform. We're not going to use anybody's phone lines. We are going to own or lease all of the infrastructure we need and all of the software we need. We're writing all the software ourselves. We will either own or lease the infrastructure. 
in order for me to be canceled again, you'd that's have to... That's a heck of investment, you'd boy. Have, you'd have to shut down the yeah, internet. Yeah, that's a heck of an investment, Kevin. Well, that's... that's, that's okay. So once yep. that's done, and I, I'm... Any day now, I could get the first version of that software, the really early version of that software. We're really? Al- we're almost ready to start using. Once we get that whole thing worked out, then yes, we are... The Power Hour may become its own independent show that that maybe I jump in once in a while. Okay. Maybe I do it with them every week, but they'll be able to do it on their own. Rolling Toe, which is really on its own already, will we'll continue and expand on that idea. And we are going to look to create a, a trucking network. Yeah, with shows throughout the day, weekend shows, whatever. I mean, we're, you know what I want to create? I was frustrated when I was on Sirius XM. You know, we are in an industry that had it. I can't even listen to that channel anymore. I can't even listen. Terrible. I've I've heard that. Um, (laughs) You know, absolutely terrible. How fortunate are we as an industry to have our own damn radio channel? And I used to be so frustrated because I thought there we could put so much good content on this channel and it work. I mean, they wouldn't let me do the things I was doing. They wouldn't let me bring on other hosts and create another show. And so I was frustrated with that. I thought that we could have such a killer channel of really good trucking information. And if you want, throw in a little entertainment here and there, but it should be primarily education and business. And so so I was frustrated seeing all that potential. Well, now I can go do that. That's what we're going to do. We're going to create what I think okay. the trucking channel should have been. Well, we thank, we thank you, Kevin. We thank you. Let me say one quick thing so I can get out of the way for you. If you have five minutes one day to listen to some of those shows during the day, it is, <laughs> you can absolutely, you can absolutely see that. And I think some of them really are smart people, but they I'm are. not going to name any names, but some of those hosts, you can actually see that they are talking. You can tell that they are talking in a way and spending things in a way that it is because it's bought and paid for. And that is, you know, by they pretty much know the narrative they have to put out there by whoever's sponsoring and just, it's just, it's, you can totally tell if you have a, if you have a brain, you can totally tell. It's like, really, you're talking in a way, like you're almost insulting me. Like I don't (laughs) have a mind and a brain, but terrible. Well, you notice what we don't have on this network is commercials. Correct. Yes. So, so not only are we going to own all of our own infrastructure, so you can't cancel me. We are not beholden to anybody. Nobody gets to say anything about the content that's on this show. Nobody can put any pressure on us. Go ahead. You know, I ordered that cardio miracle, and I love it to a point. But I did grow up with a heart arrhythmia. It's called Wolf Parkinson White, if you've ever heard of it, which gives me then SBT, supraventricular tachycardia. Mm-hmm. I have had an ablation to break the pathway, but there was one extra one they found that they didn't do because at 23, I would have needed a pacemaker. It's so close to the science node that, that they would have ruined my regular pacemaker in my heart, which is a science node, and I would have needed one. So they said, you know what, it very rarely conducts, and it doesn't continue to conduct like the other one did. So you might have a palpitation, but we're going to leave that and not do it. 
Only thing I'm finding with the cardio miracle, I'm thinking it must be the B vitamins in it that I can only do it for a couple of days because then I will start having tons of palpitations. B vitamins right. in themselves will overstimulate my heart to have those things. Yeah. So is there a way to make a cardio miracle without that? Are, are you taking any other supplements with B12 specifically? Not that I'm aware of. Check, I, I take the magnesium, your, some vitamin D. Check your supplements carefully because B12 is cheap and it's easy to throw in things. And there are tons of supplements on the market that aren't even B vitamin supplements but they put so much B12 in it, it's like 30,000 times your daily allowance. Okay. So check B12 specifically. Cut the dose of the cardiomyocle so I could take it daily, or should I just space it out every other day? I have different advice for you. I'm not a cardiologist. I'm aware of that syndrome, but I'm not going to claim that I understand how it works and how B12 affects it or the B vitamins in general. What I would say is if you're having problems taking something like Cardio Miracle, there's an issue there. There, There's a a root cause of that, and I would want to know what it is. I would do a consultation with Dr. Wolfson. Right. Because he's going to tell you the ablations weren't necessary, that, you know, we could have done this instead. He'll give you the correct answer uh, since this is a cardio issue. To answer your question, could you okay, make cardio miracle without B vitamins? You could, but nobody's going to. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's just B vitamins are a stimulant, and it causes the palpitations. So I have to be very careful. So I usually don't take much One. stuff. Don't see much of it in there. I've noticed it in there once I order it, and I love the stuff, but. I just started doing where uh, every other day or every third day I take it. I just don't take it daily anymore. That's that's a good way to handle it right now, but that's a good response. But I okay. I would do a consult with Dr. Wolfson and find out why that occurs, and I have a feeling there's a better way to fix this. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate your time, Kevin. One, and again, one I understand the, how much that equipment costs and everything you're doing there. So I, it totally hits home to me and I hope everyone can support you with the store and everything else, because the amount of money and time you guys are investing in to do something like that, it's amazing. And thank you. And thank you, Lisa and the whole team. Well, thank you, Scott. I'm going to throw one thing out so people know it's coming. We've talked about it before. Right now we're virtually giving away the store. I mean, we don't charge anything for this podcast and we're doing hours and hours and hours a week. We're not charging for a lot mm-hmm. of things right now. At some point, that has to change. We're okay. We made it through this first it year. Does. Our revenues are down. Yep. We're okay. But at some point, when we have all of this infrastructure built out and it's working and we're confident of it, there will be a membership level, probably two of them. And we will ask people to support us that way. Some of the shows will always be free. You need to. I mean, we, look at Sirius. Yeah. We are, you, you, you pay a monthly subscription yeah. for Sirius, right? <laughs> right? Right. We are committing so, that some of yeah, the shows can will have, always be free, but there's going to be a, a membership level, too. We have to. You have to. I totally understand that. And yep. then, and that that's have also, a great day. We'll yeah. talk to you guys soon. Thanks. That's also what will allow us not to put commercials into the podcast. We've got to get the revenue from somewhere. I hate commercials. Everybody hates commercials. I hate dealing with 
sponsors that want me to say certain things on the radio because they're paying for commercials, we're just going to skip that whole thing. No commercials. The flow is so much better. I'm not beholden to these companies. Even our partner companies, they know up front. Don't ever, don't ever send me an email, a text, or call me and say, hey, you should have said this about our product. Yeah, I have canceled partnerships over comments like that. It's not going to happen here. So we will be asking you sometime here shortly in the future to support us financially so we can keep this model going. Let's go to Michigan. Rick, welcome to the program. Rick, Hello, am I on the air? You are. What's on your mind today? Yeah, yeah. Oh, thank, thank you. Yeah. Talking about AI, I've heard this thing that uh, the AI is in the news, and I think it's kind of false news because they say, who is going to be the leader in AI? And I think the problem is they already know that Elon Musk is the leader in AI. Uh, the chat thing is, is nothing compared to landing rockets on a drone ship at sea. Over. Oh, yeah, you're, you make a good point. Elon Musk is certainly a leader. Amazon has spent, you know, a gazillion dollars on artificial intelligence. ChatGPT came from a company nobody had ever even heard of. The thing about AI that people aren't realizing, anybody could get into this game. You and I, if we figured out a way or had enough money, we could go create artificial intelligence. This isn't one thing. It's almost like each each system of artificial intelligence is almost like creating another person. Yeah, I agree. One of the leaders in AI is uh, Raphael Defense in Israel, and they had a video on just in the last few days about um, thermal battery they have in their rockets, which I really didn't understand how they did it. They said this small battery propels this rocket. And uh, I don't know if you know anything about thermal batteries or not. No, I know nothing about them. Okay. Yeah. It's not rechargeable either. It's a one it's a one shot deal. Yeah, I know but I know nothing. It was about um Okay. Okay. Well I appreciate um all your leadership in the health thing and on the vax thing. Me and my wife really appreciate that. You were one of the early uh, pioneers in questioning the the effectiveness of the vaccine. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Yeah, I don't think it took any, you know, superior intelligence to question the vaccine. I can't believe more people didn't question it right from the start. mRNA technology, as soon as I heard that and went and looked at what it was, I was horribly skeptic of that alone. The other thing I was skeptic of, we usually take a decade to produce a vaccine, not a couple of months. We The testing was wrong from the start. Shortly after the testing, they nullified the entire test because they gave the vaccine to the control group. How could you not question this from the beginning is what I'm wondering. Let's go to North Dakota. John, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. I have a, well, another, another question came up while we were talking. You were talking of merging trucking tribe and healthy tribe together. 
And yes. merging those, I was wondering how that's coming along. It's coming along. It's slow. We're, okay. yeah, stuck in this weird place that we had a lot of big projects going on when the serious thing hit. And we had to put all of okay. those projects aside to get this, you know, we had to get our app out first, which we did, but the app is still taking a lot of work. That's the user's app. We're trying to get my app mm-hmm. out, the broadcast app. So that's a huge project. I was in the middle of the stress protocol, which is one of the biggest projects I've ever worked on. I started the Hot Honey project, which I'm still working on. We just got ourselves into this point where you have way too much work to do and not enough people to do it. And this isn't a time to be hiring. So we've just got to kind of push our way through. We've, we've finally prioritized the projects and, and we have a roadmap going forward now. So it's just a matter of time to get this stuff done. Okay, back to what I actually called about the train derailment. Sunday, Wymere, North Dakota had a train derailment with 37 cars. And like you said this morning, over in Raymond, Minnesota, they had another train derailment. They're only 140 miles apart. I was just in Wymere, North Dakota, delivering products to clean up the mess there in Wymere, North Dakota. Really? Yeah. Yep. Okay. It's pretty, it's a heck of a mess. I will so. never know it unless you call us and tell us. Yeah, no. Wymere, North Dakota happened on Sunday, and that was... 37 cars and I have not been over to Raymond, but they, according to the news article, that was 22 cars of ethanol and our favorite oil, uh, soybean oil. So isn't it, isn't it just so ironic that the big push in the world today, the big argument is, oh my God, climate is going to kill us all. We're destroying the planet. We have to go green. We have to do electric. We have to do all this other stuff. And yet we are watching. We are watching our environment being destroyed by chemicals. And obviously it's been going on a long time and we don't even know it. And what's with the 8,000 gallons they just dumped into the Delaware River? And that wasn't even a train. Yeah, that's sad. Yeah, it is. In so many different ways. Yeah, it is. This is this is kind of kind of insane. You know, if it's just plain mm-hmm. negligence, well then let's fix it. My God, we, we can put mm-hmm. trains on tracks and stop them from derailing. We're smart enough to do that. We just need to make it a priority. Actually take care of our right. infrastructure. Yeah. Right. We just need to make up, it a priority. Up the infrastructure and, do it. and everything else. Yeah. Yeah, so Crazy. no, it would be a good, good show in the future if you could find another host. Would be just trucking news in general. Yeah, you, know, you do your yeah. news at the beginning of the shows. If you could find somebody that would go through that information like you do, and be able to 
still a fan versus listening to Fox or CNN. Yeah. Focused on everybody, rather down to a trucking news. Uh, That's a Um, good idea. I was just going to say, and and I've said this over the years, you know, Mark Willis, Mark and I go way, way back. I used to do Mark's show before I had my own. And Mark does basically a news show. And I used to say, Mark has the toughest job on that channel. There's just not enough trucking news to fill up a whole show every day. And that's what his show was. And and he he did a hell of a job at it because I got to tell you, it would not be easy. But your idea, I kind of like. Focus on trucking news, but we could also just make it a news show. Here's a news wrap-up of the stories that are going on, primarily focused on trucking, but we also know that a lot of what the government does affects trucking, what's happening in the economy affects trucking. Yeah, I like that idea. These rail accidents affect trucking, you know, just... So we're not listening to the, you know... um, 24-hour news thing and hearing the same story over and over a hour and a half of focused on the news that pertains to us truck drivers out here. Yeah. Whether it be that, taxes, you know, you can roll all that together. Got it. I I like that idea. We will put it on the list. We have a whole bunch of uh, show ideas. Um, I'm going to throw one out there because no, I have listeners that could help me with this one. So none of these show ideas are definite yet. We're just kind of throwing out ideas and we may try things and see how they go. I, I'd love to bring back uh, Broker Connect. We're actually working on that in the background again. One of the other show ideas I, I really like, in fact, I think I'd probably like to do this one myself, um, but I'm going to need some help. I'm thinking of a show And I don't know how often it would be or how long. We'd have to see how it goes. But I like the idea of a show called Trucking Around the World. So we go to places like New Zealand. Paul could help me out there. And we get a couple owner operators or or maybe anybody that is in the trucking industry in that country to come on and and let's just talk about the industry in in New Zealand and Australia and Great Britain and um, wherever. Obviously, we're going to stick with English-speaking countries because I don't want translators, but there's plenty of English-speaking countries, and I'd love to learn more about their trucking. That sounds like a good show to me. So if you know people who still truck in other countries, a lot of our listeners have come from other countries, and they drove there, and if you still have friends or people in the industry. Oh, yeah. Stephen, you're up next. (laughs) Go ahead. I was was talking and I hit the button and I just kept talking. So thanks for jumping in there. Yeah. I tried. It went blank for a second, so I wasn't quite sure. But um, I had a couple things, three things or so. One of them being Vivek Ramazami. um, And then electric and hydrogen. But I also had just a quick story about Trump. My wife and I haul cars and sometimes we get to pick up first unique customers. And a couple of years ago, well, maybe four or five years ago, Trump, when Trump was in office, a lot of times we deal with handlers, not the direct owner of the cars. And we got up to New York to load three vehicles for one customer to bring them down to Florida. And it turns out the handler was is a brother of one of Trump's lawyers or was one of Trump's lawyers. So we're just talking about everything in Twitter and all that. And it's funny because 
the brother of the lawyer, you know, he's, he said that one night all the lawyers kind of like went to bed thinking they had Trump quieted down. He understood, leave Twitter alone for a moment. They just need a break. And then the, the very next moment, the lawyers woke up to a tweet. And he said his brother just felt so defeated that there was just no stopping it. He just can't help himself. And he does more damage than good with that kind of stuff. It's like when he taunts the media, it's like he can't help himself. It's the stupidest thing he ever did to taunt the media. Yeah. 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 It, it stinks to see him uh, not there for the business side of this country, but uh, he's definitely a unique individual that's hard to take. Even if you like him for the business, he, he's just hard to take. He is um, for me. For a lot of people, he's obviously not hard to take. A lot of people are totally taken with him, and and that's fine. But I don't think he's going to make it this time. I think he think he could have. I think had he played his cards right, he very well could have. I, I really doubt that he's going to be, though. You know, I'll say I'm 43 years old. I've never, I haven't paid attention to politics nearly as much as I have since he was in office. I, oh, yeah. But driving truck for driving truck for 22 years now over the road, I'm 48. I have never seen support for one person across, whether it's California, Missouri, right. Florida, right. for somebody that's not even in office. I've never seen bridges are still lined up every now and again with support for Trump. And I, I've, He's a unique guy. You're right. And and the people who support him, there is a group that they are absolutely diehards. They are they are fully in his corner. You're right. We very, very seldom have we ever seen a politician like that. And even in states like California, you physically see support for Trump in California. Well, keep that. It's very keep unique. In, yeah. Keep in mind when you look at the political maps it, the states don't really matter. You know, we talk about red states and blue states, but really should be saying are blue cities and red areas. So even in California, yeah. you have a ton of diehard conservatives. They're out in the country. There's a lot of them. But you have to try to beat all the progressives in L.A. and San Francisco and Sacramento. And it's it's not the states, it's the cities that make us blue and red. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, another thing with us doing what we do, we get to see some uh, people behind the scenes, and we we loaded up some generators to bring out to a proven ground. And when we loaded the generators, I thought they were electric generators. When we got out to the proven ground site, talking with the engineers for one of the big three, they were actually hydrogen generators, and the whole thing that they were doing there was hydrogen, a whole, whole deal for hydrogen. And uh, so we were talking to them, and their, their real feeling about the long term of electric and hydrogen is they really feel hydrogen is going to end up being for fleets, and electric is going to be more for individuals. And the weird thing is, is that I drove for Walmart for a bunch of years, so I kind of understand how that system works. You leave a DC, you drive 100, 200, 300 miles to your first store, you go in, you deliver, you're in the store 30, 45 minutes, then you go on to your next store. So I always thought when Tesla came out, that was going to be the perfect spot to test electric trucks because they leave the DC fully charged. Yeah, they 
very easy for them to put in all their chargers at every store, Walmart, Sands Club, and distribution centers. Right. They would have total control. And But Walmart, I still got a bunch of friends in the transportation world, and if, if I heard right, Walmart had an order in for Tesla. They've backed out from the Teslas backed out of that order and they're more waiting for the hydrogen trucks to come out. So I must be missing something to me. When I look at this, these hydrogen electric trucks look unbelievably complicated. They're heavy. We have issues of space because of all that, that hydrogen equipment that has to be on there. The fueling stations are complicated. It's not, you don't pull into a hydrogen station and stick a hose in your tank and fill it up. These are complicated systems. I, I don't, and all we need to make electric work on its own is better battery technology. And we're getting closer all the time. But you just, you just described what I thought was the perfect use of a Tesla. Let's, let's cut their range in half. Let's say they're lying and it's really yep. not 500 miles, it's 250. So what? That got me to my first store. They have an 80% charge in 30 minutes. I'm sitting at the store 30 or 45 yep. minutes. I'm going to get an 80% charge at every stop. That seems ideal to me. Why would we screw that up with and hydrogen? They, and if they have a mechanical with the truck, it's within a very short time, they'd have a diesel-powered truck there to continue the load and, and deal with the Tesla right. truck. Like Walmart wouldn't get affected much by its breakdown. And then let's think about this, a Walmart distribution center and all those trailers that they own, all those trailers should be outfitted with solar. And every time they're backed up to the dock, they should be feeding energy back into the system. Yeah. So I don't know if Walmart backed out of the Tesla truck. Um, I don't know. It's definitely interesting to see. And we followed a couple of Toyota Mariahs. It's their hydrogen powered car, which is the size of a Camry. Um, and we brought it from California to Massachusetts because Massachusetts has some hydrogen stations available for cars on the turnpike, I believe, or on uh, going around Boston. Yeah. And I don't know. The lady there, uh, she was intrigued by it, the hydrogen. So I don't I, know. I, might I, end up seeing more from that. I must be missing something on the hydrogen. I just don't get it. And then the... Uh, Vivek Ramazami. So I read just about every book that you, you recommend good or bad, whether I can deal with it or not. And I, so I started listening to uh, The Woke, um, and it's a good book, and he's a very interesting character. But do you recall hearing what his idea is for meat? No. He's a vegan, vegetarian. Oh, that's... that's he does not believe... That would be a problem for he me. He doesn't believe can, in killing animals. I'm just going to have to get over that. I could still vote for him with that, and I kind of understand it. If there ever was a large, not vegan, but vegetarian society, it is the um, Indian culture. They are big, big on vegetarian, not vegan so much, but vegetarian. So that's kind of understandable yeah, with his background. He's, but he's believed in growing meat. He wants to grow the meat and because uh, he feels it can be controlled in better environments. Yeah, so not is. only is he not for eating beef, he's more into growing it. And that that's early on in his book. Yeah, I remember so I like, in the book, I haven't seen him make that a political issue at all. So that no, would be one no, place I would pro. absolutely disagree with him strongly on that one. 
But like like I said, based on his background, I kind of see why he would think that way. Yeah. And uh, one more thing while I get you on. Is that I've got a 2018 Freightliner Cascadia with a DD-15 on it. And uh, another one about these, one, I've called before about the one box because I got nervous about it during COVID. So I ordered one because I was told they were seven months out. Well, my truck, I got it within two weeks. I've got a one box sitting in storage. I now have 857,000 miles on my one box, the original one box. I have changed the filters. Um, but I'm still running this one box, and I've got the other one sitting in storage. So, That's But I excellent. asked my mechanic about it because all my friends at Walmart, they run the Cascadia, and Walmart's replacing these one boxes at 500000 600000 or even less. So I asked my mechanic, how come, you know, do you see any reason why I'm getting this? Because I don't run the fuel catalyst. I don't do anything extra other than just good maintenance. And his theory is, and I remember your caller Last week, or no, it might have been Tuesday of this week, he has a big bunk, and he's got 700000 on his, and we've got a big bunk, Freightliner with a 324-inch wheelbase. They believe, this mechanic believes, this is just his theory, that the long wheelbase without all the fairings, that it's helping the one box run cooler, and that's helping it live longer. But that's just his, his opinion on it. So I don't know. I'm I, anxious to get yeah, a million miles I, out of it. I'm glad you're getting a lot of miles out of yours and you already have a backup. That's outstanding. You've just eliminated that issue, which is good. I don't know if I buy his theory or not. And that seems like a stretch to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought too. I wasn't sure, but first, I don't know. First it's off, living long it's and, so, uh, so here's, here's a good example of this is what the scientific method is all about. Something we seem to have forgotten in society that the scientific method actually works. And here's a great example of it. He has a theory. That's where the scientific method comes into play. He has a theory that based on his belief that the, the long wheelbase somehow makes that area cooler. Okay, well, let's go test that theory. Let, let's put sensors down there on a truck that, you know, put temperature sensors down by the by the one box and we'll see what it's like yep. on a normal. So we, we could prove or disprove this and that's what should happen. I oh, mean, yeah. that that's what I've done for years. If I have this theory that a, a, this tire should get better fuel economy than that tire because of all, well, then go prove it. So if he has that theory, he should well, go prove it. Well, and I tell you this, if uh, if one of your callers has a short wheelbase, the traditional wheelbase of a tractor, if, they were, if they're an owner-operator, own it, they have control over it. If they wanted to put a sensor on, I would be willing to put a sensor on mine just out of curiosity to see if, yeah. Uh, yeah. if there maybe, is a difference. Maybe there I, is I would some love to know. truth to it. I can't say there isn't because I haven't tried to disprove it either. It's a theory. And now if we have a theory, let's go prove it or disprove it. And the only evidence I can have is your other caller has over 700,000 with a long wheelbase truck, and he's getting good mileage. While I know a lot of Walmarts that are replacing them early in life, but I would love to get a comparison if somebody with a shorter wheelbase yeah. wanted to put one on just call, to see. I would love to know. Do this. If you, if you remember, call on Tuesday for the power hour, and we'll get Pittsburgh Power involved, and maybe we'll do some testing. Okay, yeah. Yeah, man, I would love to add this thing. 
my oil samples are still coming back good. I lost the suction manifold. Detroit has a terrible problem with the suction manifold that goes in the oil pan. And I lost that with all oil pressure about two months ago in Nevada in the middle of nowhere. Wow. And all the mechanics Did. thought I, yeah, they thought I would. They thought I would have a blown engine, but all I had was discolored bearings, so I did put new it, bearings in it. It shut down on its own? Yeah, yeah, okay, it good. shut down. Good. I didn't catch my, uh, I didn't catch the uh, oil pressure drop, who, and it who shut would? down. That's why I asked if it shut down yeah. on its own, because it's so easy to miss an event like that on an oil pressure gauge. It's not like we're staring at it all day long. What I can't believe is when I got towed into Freightliner in Las, Las Vegas, my complaint, the owner of the truck, is no oil pressure. When they did their diagnostic. Oh, Stephen? Truck, truck oh, shut down. Yeah, so the uh, Freightliner dealer, I couldn't believe when I got it into the my complaint as the owner is, no oil pressure. Okay. The Freightliner dealer then did their did their diagnostic in black and white. They put driver's complaint, no oil pressure. Diagnostics. Started truck, truck ran, truck shut down. Uh, we then pulled the oil filter out and saw it had no oil. If a driver has a complaint that the truck's got no don't oil pressure, don't start it. Would you as a dealer don't, don't go start, start it? it? No. <laughs> no, don't start it. They, Right in black and white. Unbelievable. Yeah, go yeah. go look first. Uh, we don't want to run this thing yeah. again. You know, I was yeah. about to say, so all- it just anecdotally, I traveled all over the country and I've been to tons and tons of different truck dealers. I was going to brag about the Freightliner dealer in Las Vegas because I had a really good experience there. But not... Well, there's two of them there. Oh, Okay. I don't know if I'll remember. I went which to Velocity. One. Yeah, there's two of them. There's a Velocity, and then there's another one that I think is a little smaller. Damn. But Velocity is going around the country and buying a bunch of these dealers out. So when you went to them, they might have been the original name as well. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But I actually had a good experience. It was a problem. I had been to a couple other dealers. Nobody could solve it. They did. It was just a good experience all around. But, uh, not this one. Yeah, no, I looked out, moved, it's still going, so we're good. But all right, man, I appreciate right. your time. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Let's go to North Carolina. Cody, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. So let me start off this. I've talked to you before, deliver the new semi-trucks, and I fly after I deliver them back to go get more. And that yeah. requires me to have a, like, 20-pound backpack, a carry-on that weighs 30 pounds, a bigger suitcase that weighs 44 pounds, and a toolbox that weighs 50 pounds, 60 if my sockets are inside of it. And I have to do manual labor of taking the trucks apart, putting axles in, you know, swinging a 4-pound mallet to bust J-bolts loose. and my forearms are constantly sore. Is there any damage by doing that and being sore for weeks and weeks on end? Or is there anything that I can do to help that? Tell me about your diet. As clean as I can be eating at restaurants and fast food because 
in hotels every night. I'm already maxed out on weight just having clothes and for warm weather, cold weather, and tools. I don't get to do the supplements like I used to when I lived in the truck. Uh, but, yeah, my diet, and I try to stay away from grains as much as possible. I mean, it does happen every now and again. Like, I went to a hotel. They had breakfast. They didn't have any eggs or sausage available. And I had a muffin and a waffle. So with, But with, I try real hard to stay away from the grains. You're going to have to try harder. With grains, oh, I know that. tiny amounts will cause the issue. Here's the thing. Let me go back and, and start over. If your nutrition was correct, none of the activities you described to me should cause long-term pain. You should see pain when you try a new activity, a physical exertion that you haven't done in a long time. Let's say you haven't swung that mallet for a month, and then the first couple of days, you're probably going to be sore. But your body should recover from that pretty quickly, and then that should not go on. You know, when no matter how right. hard I used to work out. And and when, when we're talking about, you know, a two-hour workout in a gym when I owned the gym, no matter how hard I worked out, I couldn't make myself sore at a certain point. Now, if I quit for a week and then went back, I could be sore for a day or two, then it would go away. Um, with proper nutrition, that's the way it should work. Back then, hell, I didn't even have proper nutrition. My, my own body, even with poor nutrition, would recover enough that I wouldn't be sore all the time. I have found now two things can trigger muscle soreness for me that is, is unusual and not normal. Um, even a little too much extra sugar, which seems kind of bizarre. I eat really low sugar, but occasionally I'll splurge on a little more ice cream here or there and you know, more snack foods. And maybe it's even good sugars like maple sugar, good honey. If my sugar count goes up a little bit, I'll start to experience more muscle soreness when I know I shouldn't be. The uh, So I'm sure you have more sugar in your diet. You still have grains in your diet. So that's going to be part of it. The other part Not it, really. I mean, it was... Not really what? Go ahead. You told me you were eating grains. I don't really have grains. No, I had it one time the other day because I had a blueberry muffin, and I really like blueberry muffins. So I had one of those, and I was still hungry. Flew in late the night before. and If it's not the grains, then, like I said, it could be the sugars. There's lots of sugar in our diet, whether we know it or not. In yeah, and I agree with you on that. It could be the sugar. I ain't been watching that. The other one that is very likely, and this is what happens to me if I travel too much and start eating out, the bad seed oils. Every restaurant on the planet uses bad seed oils. Does it? Yep, all of them. Now, And that's what I worry about. If you can find a place like that is truly paleo-based, we talked the other day with... April, autumn. I'm Out sorry, in Denver. Autumn from, yeah, from Paleo Valley. They started their burger place out there. They don't. If, if you can find true paleo-based restaurants, they will use animal fats instead of industrial seed oils. But that is rare. Less than 1% of the restaurants in the country. Yeah. Oh, I know. And I, I figured that's what the issue was just because I don't have access to good quality food like I used to. 
that'll do so, it. Yep, that'll do it. That'll do it. Okay, that's what I was curious about, or if I was, you know, too much, or should I do push-ups or anything? Like, should I start working out? Because I've been trying to do that, but I haven't hurt. because I've been... Yeah. Any it kind can't of, hurt. Okay. It can't hurt. Any kind of conditioning like that may help. Now, you may find that the more you work out, the more sore you become. And then it's kind of hard to keep working out when you're sore all the time. And that can happen to me if I'm, if I'm, when I was on the road and we didn't take enough food with us and we were so busy, we just kept eating out every day. And I was eating as clean as you could eat eating out, mostly carnivore, no junk, you know, not dessert. I'm just eating basically meat, but it's, it's poor quality meat and it's cooked in bad seed oils and everything else in the restaurants cooked in bad seed oils. And I will get sore. Okay. All right. I got to figure this out then. There you go. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Tennessee. Mark, welcome to the program. Kevin, so you were talking about Trump a while ago, and I voted for him twice. However, I'm not doing it again. I mean, let's go over some of the things. Number one, he still has not denounced the vaccine. He still supports the vaccine, claims it saved 100 million people. Well, we know the complete opposite. Right. People forget about the First Step Act, which was letting criminals out. One of the people got out, stabbed somebody who worked for, uh, I believe, Rand Paul up there. Just got out the other day because of the First Step Act, which is a let the criminals out of jail act. He sat there twice in the last two weeks and praised Charlie Crist because he said, Charlie Crist is the reason Florida's great. It's not Ron DeSantis and all like that. The trashing of Ron DeSantis is going to cost him immensely because everybody knows the only state that's doing anything worth a dang is Florida. And then people are moving there. Trump moved there because of that. Yeah. Here's the other thing that bothers me about that. He is being completely disingenuous. If I truly believed that he thought Charlie Crist was a better governor than Ron DeSantis, then fine, that's your opinion. He does not believe that for a second. So that's what bothered. If he did support Charlie Crist, that would be better for me than not supporting him, than lying about the fact that you do. That's the biggest problem I have with that situation. The other night he got on Sean Hannity. I didn't watch that, but I've got the clips off Twitter that he got on Sean Hannity and defended hiring the current FBI director because Chris Christie and the Democrats wanted him to. So the the current FBI director that's causing the root of a lot of the problems, you know, who trusts the FBI now? Nobody. Well, Trump had a chance to fix that. What did he do? He hired the swamp. He got in there. He campaigns that he's anti-swamp, but he gets in there and hires the swamp. That's his track record. So, His you know, track it's, record it's, is COVID fascism. It's interesting that you bring up the FBI. You know, I've talked about the fact that Vivek Ramaswamy is committing to eliminate the Department of Education. The other big promise he's making is to dismantle the FBI and start over. It needs to happen yeah. because of the, the, the corruptness that was brought in by the Obama administration. Yeah. But 
Trump sits there and campaigns and tells everybody he wants to hear, but he gets in there and governs the complete, governs the complete opposite. He hired the swamp. He, he completely hired the swamp. He worries more about what the New York Times says about him than what average people think about him. But average people overlook this. They give him a pass. I know. If, if he would just, if he would have just put his head down and worked, he would have been okay. It, all the all the controversy, the taunting the media, the Twitter crap, calling everybody names, that, that stuff's just got to go. We don't have time for that. That This is the wrong environment to be doing that in. It is making a mess but of everybody our Everybody says that. Everybody says that, but then just look at, look at the results. Just look at what he's done. It's like, it's like he, he hired the swamp. He completely did. Everybody he hired in there, it's like he looks at their resume. Oh, he's good because he went to this school or that school. It's like he does the complete opposite of governing that he says. I mean, he sits there and trashes Thomas Massey. Well, the one, okay, here's why inflation is like it is right now. Here's what Trump kicked it over the edge with those COVID bills three years ago. Three years ago, he was in office and they, they started printing money. And he hired another, he hired the current Fed chair. That's who he hired. He hired this guy because, and then he encouraged him to print money. He did. He said it in the daily briefing of March the 3rd of 2020. He sat there and says, I'm happy. with Somebody, one of the questions was, are you happy the Fed turned on the spigot? Yes, very happy. We need to do this. And it's like, he's happy with the monetary policy that the Fed said. He hired the guy. He hired all these people. That's all you have to look at. And it's like, everybody gives him a pass. Oh, he was tricked. Really? What does that say about his intelligence that he was tricked? Well, right. I don't believe he was right. tricked. I believe he is the swamp. And, and I know that's not a popular thing to say, no, but it's the honest-to-God's truth. That's, that's what I, Like I said, there were lots of his policies I liked. I thought his tax policy was one of the best I've seen in a long time. I'd much rather see a fair tax, but... That's about... Is, That's about they gave him that. That's about all they gave him. Well, then he was able. They you know, didn't have to. He was able to get rid of a lot of regulations without, you know. So, so there were things I liked. Didn't take me long, and wasn't enough that I ever voted for him. I was never convinced he was going right. to be our I know, best president. I know. But the more I yeah, saw, well, him, I did. I wasn't convinced. I wasn't convinced at first, but then I laughed and I gave him the benefit of the doubt. Free pass and all like that, but recently I've just looked at this and it's like, this guy isn't who he says he is. No, and just the way he conducts himself and the, the attacks on DeSantis have been some of the worst. I, I think that was a huge mistake on his part. That, that, is, that is huge hypocritical. That's the reason he moved there. And it's like, he's going to sit there and say that DeSantis is like, he was, DeSantis was the one that he was again. He told, he, he, he sat there and demanded they all lock down. And DeSantis was one of the first people along with the, the Georgia governor. And after that, because they went against him, well, he, he's on the outs. We don't like him anymore because we're against Trump policy because the whole White, Trump White House, you know, was pressuring them to stay locked down, but they didn't do it. He well, was for that. I mean, his legacy is COVID fascism. I can tell you lived in Florida when Chris was the governor and he was a horrible governor. Well, everybody knows that. I mean, DeSantis is extremely popular. He barely, he barely won against that meth head 
uh, governor of uh, former mayor of uh, Tallahassee. He barely won. He won in a landslide this last election because everybody's happy with how he's governing. The policies get passed. He's the only one. He stands up to ESG. What's Trump's policy on ESG? Does Trump know what ESG is? Because... You know, one of one of DeSantis's lines that is really powerful and he's using it well is Florida is where woke goes to die. Exactly. And I mean, I'm in Texas and I can tell you the the Houston from when I moved there back around uh, back in the early 90s was a complete conservative. Houston's like Chicago. Now, Houston's a mess. I it's know. corrupt. It is. There, yeah. there is election fraud, fraud. Harris County is absolutely horrible, and people are fleeing Harris County for the for the far-out suburbs. The property rates in that far-out suburbs are well, exploding because people are leaving the blue cities in Texas. Well, then you have Austin. Well, Austin has just been Austin forever. But, right. but, but Dallas and Houston and San Antonio are completely horrible at this point. They are. If they're not, they're the crime rate in Houston's, they just let everybody out of jail. The crime rate in Houston's through the roof. The, the violent crime is, is like Chicago. It's absolutely horrible. And it's like, that's that's what's going on. It's not talked about, but that, and if you look at it on a local level, it's absolutely horrible. And But, and then, but the whole thing with Trump is, that he governs like the people who he says he's not. He, he campaigns on BS that he's not going to do. Like Thomas Matthews said the other day, if Trump was going to build a wall, it would have started in the House of Representatives. They never had a bill technically to build a wall in the House of Representatives. So that really wasn't the main thing. He just never pushed it. He said he was. Right. But when you look at the substance, it's like, He's he's still a rhino, or he's still a Democrat, or whatever. I mean, he's not who he says he is. He just says things, and people want to believe it so bad that they overlook the fact that, I mean, he's still in bed with the pharmaceutical companies. He's still pushing the vaccine. He's still saying everything. He does not sit there and take. He does not like. Oh, I made a mistake. He cannot admit he made a mistake, and he made a lot of them. That that is a big big factor. No doubt. Well, we're going to see. I, I don't think he's going to be the candidate. I think it's going to be a very interesting primary with him in there, but I don't think he's going to be the candidate. We'll have to see. We're going to move along. Calls are piling up. Let's go to Tennessee. Steve, welcome to the program. Okay, it's West Virginia, but that's close enough. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you were talking about doubles. Yeah, you were talking about doubles yesterday. We all have that first bad experience with doubles. Back in 1982, I was working the dock there at Carolina Freight, doing a little yard work. And they said, hey, uh, go out there and uh, hook up this set of doubles and and weigh them, make sure everything's good. Yeah, so I I hooked them up kind of in front of the scale, pulled up on the scale. Oh, they said, use this twin screw. And, you know, uh, LTL companies only had about 10% of the uh, tractors that were twins. Most of them were single axles. Right. And so, yeah, I pull, I pull air and I pull up on the scale. Everything's good. Pull off the scale and make a hard left turn and bam, bam, two, two tires. <laughs> you had to have oh, the, that's the right. fifth wheel had to be all the way that's back. Right. Yeah. You remember that back yeah. in the day? Well, you had a twin screw. Well, that was my first hookup ever. And 
Oh man, I was just worried because I was I was still a casual then. Oh, you know, I wasn't, that. Yeah. wasn't on full time yet. Yeah. No, that was so that, a, that that was a. That's a big issue over at FedEx because not only are they doubles, but they're those drop belly doubles, and all yep. the twin screws over there. You can't keep your mud flaps on. You have to take the mud flaps off a twin yep. screw. You usually have to have the fifth wheel mounted properly so it'll handle it at all. Uh, that that was always an issue over there. I ran all single axles, so it didn't matter to me. I could leave my mud flaps on and all of that. Right, right, correct. And now, as far as backing, I you know in the next twelve years after that, I mean, I got on full time with working local, but I worked five city, five city, five little towns in eastern North Carolina, and I had a set of doubles I'd go out with. Like I say, you go out 15, 20, 25 stops. And I had to split them in each town, do oh. the work, oh. uh, and if I had any pickups, you know, had to make the pickups, pull it to the side. Oh yeah. Well, then I had to then I had to hook them back up and go. Well, I got I had a, I had you know two or three of those lots were rock lots, and you know you just like I say you, you didn't want to have to you didn't want to mess with pushing trying to push them around on a rock lot. So I got where I could back the front one and the dolly. And what you had to take a forty-five degree angle, right? Then you had to turn the wheel to the left to have the back of the trailer go right, and have the, and the dolly, dolly go, go to left. the left. Yeah. As soon as you, right? As soon as you saw the dolly, you know, in your left mirror going past the edge, there you'd get back under it. Right. If you were at that forty-five degree angle and set up right, you could back under that second trailer. Now it took some practice, and I got pretty good at it because I had to do it so often. Right. Uh, and then, you know, if it rained, you know, you, you definitely didn't want to be out there messing around with it. So you try to do it then. Uh, and, and I actually had one day, I actually, I, I, it was dumb luck. I was actually running a line haul. I got to Durham and it was pouring down raining and my back trailer was in door one right by the ramp. And so, so I had my dolly and I had my front trailer. I, so I pulled up in front of it. I couldn't see a damn thing in my mirrors, either mirror. I pulled up really straight, and I, I said, well, maybe I'll see that dolly, or the dolly will, you know, hit the side of the concrete on the ramp. <laughs> right. And, or, 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 it will, or it will double back on the back of the trailer, and I'll, I'll hear it. Yeah. <laughs> so I started easing back, and I eased back, and all of a sudden I heard click. Nice. And I had kept it straight nice. and didn't even know it. Yeah. Dumb, dumb luck. Yeah. Dumb luck. Hey, but but that was, like I say, we had a lot of fun. Go ahead. Real quick on that issue. When was the last year you pulled doubles? Oh, I pulled it. Well, you know, Billings after Carolina went out back in 01. And I pulled it. And yeah, we had a few set of doubles. Uh, not many, maybe so 25 in the whole company. You, and, and so I pulled occasionally there. You may have had the opportunity. Did you ever get a converter dolly with wide singles? Uh, no, no, we didn't. No, I noticed everybody in like 2005 later, everybody like Old Dominion and, and, uh, and, uh, you know, uh, Conway, everybody FedEx. back then had yeah. kind of moved to the, yep, FedEx yeah. had moved to the, to the singles. So FedEx then was, you couldn't see your tires if they were inset. <laughs> FedEx was one of the early adopters of wide singles on their converter dollies. The one thing that was shocking it takes about half as much force to move that dolly around when it's got wide singles. It turns so easy. It rolls so much easier. It is shocking how much easier it is to handle a dolly that's got wide singles on it. Yeah, I bet. I bet that is. 
Well, really, uh, the gist of my call was uh, on hell. And I've got, you talking about the scientific method. I actually used the scientific method 28 years ago. Uh, I have I have familial high cholesterol. And, and, and I, it, I, hey, I don't have hey, any more, hey, but hey, I had Steve, it. Hold, hold on a second. Was it diagnosed specifically as familial hypercholesteremia? Well, they said it was going to be either that or you're just eating a really bad high-fat diet. <laughs> okay. My guess is um, then and, that, and it, that's what they, that it wasn't the true – I mean, there are people that end up with their cholesterol. Well, up in the I, well my, daughter, my daughter has it. Six and seven. Yeah, my daughter who runs range. marathons has it too. Okay. Right, right. Well, this was four, 400 okay. is what mine that, were running in that range. That, that's, All right, four, yeah, yeah, 450. Okay. Yeah. But we, we – you know, and I read a it was in a it was in a general practitioner or some kind you know some kind of magazine in a doctor's office back then. I read an article. Well, mine was running about four fifty. They wanted to throw all kind of drugs at me, obviously at that. Um, and yeah, you know, I wasn't real wild about that. I yeah, I, I did a, I did a, a early, this, this was early in the statins in ninety five. It wasn't they weren't you know there weren't that many statins back then. So, and I say you got all the all the mess I. So I actually saw this article in it was in some kind of physician's magazine that that they found that people with familial hypocholesteremia, well, that they had they lacked a very very big nutrient which was vitamin D three, and so vitamin D three obviously is niacin. So uh, back at that time, for the first six months, it was all you know, could only get the flush. Type, the 500 milligrams of flush, and you know, you get the red face every time you took it. And so I was going to quit, and then they came out with the no flush. All right. So I ran, oh, my cholesterol did drop from 450 down to about 220. And my uh, my HDL had been about 45 before, so I was like nine to one ratio, very bad ratio. And I actually, I worked on, you know, more walking and stuff, and my, my, my HDL went up to about six. So three and a half to one was not bad, you know, getting down in the 220 range. I've stayed in the, anywhere from two to 230 or 240 for 28 years. Now, I did talk about the scientific method. The way you find out, figure out whether something works for you is you quit using it for a, a period of time. So I quit for six months. And I got back up to 400 again. Uh, so in my, in my particular case, the, the niacin has worked, and it's worked for 28 years. Now, my daughter runs marathons. She's uh, 41 now. She runs still runs marathons. Now, she runs the 100-mile race now. I mean, she does all that kind of stuff. And hers was in that 400-plus range. She takes niacin, and she keeps it down around 200, 250. But she has a HDL of, like, 98. I mean, she's, like, two to two-and-a-half to one yeah. uh, ratio. So she works out every day. She's in you know, great shape. Uh, so now I've got another daughter that she's got very low cholesterol, like my wife has. Um, so pretty well, had, you know, even though the diagnosis, you know, they don't, they didn't really know. They just said it could be this, or you just probably eat bad. You know, that's what they were saying at the time. So you know, if there are cases that I think with the familial, it actually works. But nowadays, I don't see any of the niacin out there that has a flush where you get the red face anymore. If you find that, nobody wanted it. So the no flush, you know, it came in at about 96, I reckon. Well, I, I had six months or so. I had, 
use the other. But I did try a six-month period getting rid of it because I had gotten in really good shape, gotten down to about 200 pounds, and gotten in good shape in, in the late 90s. And I said, let me try this and see. And I swear it went right back up to 400 again in six months. And I said, well, I said, okay. I said, that's just one of my things in my regimen with vitamin C and vitamin D and, uh, you know, vitamin B12. I mean, I have a few things I take, and that's, that's it. And I put it in there. So for me, it worked. Like I say, I don't think there are that many people that have the familial hypocholesteremia or, you know, whatever no, you call it. it's pretty rare. I don't think there are that many people that have it. It's pretty rare. But I kind of we kind of figured out on my in our case it probably was it and so it worked now um, and and like I say the niacin for me has worked I would not you know, if somebody's got two fifty I would I don't think niacin would help them at all to get to two hundred um, and here's and the thing I, I, I'm like I you I like I, I like to study I'm sixty eight I want it to stay high yeah I don't want to go no it to I don't either I won't mind right oh yeah anytime I see a doctor now you know they're they're pulling the cat out to write the the prescription. I said, well, you can write it. I said, but, you know, the minute I get out of here, I'm going to tear it up and throw it away. <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing they should You're bother. You're not going to get me. Yeah, the only prescription they should bother writing for me is for ribeyes and eggs. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And so uh, so I basically try to stay away from, do- you know, stay away from doctors. I'm trying, you know, other than my little hippie doctor up in Chapel Hill. I'll hit her maybe every few years. But, there you uh, go. yeah, and like I say, that. But, but, you know, but so it did in our case work, and I actually used the scientific. I'm, I'm like you. I want to test things out. Yeah, I want to take it away and see what happens, you know, and, uh, and do that in the truck, too. So in our case, it actually worked, but I think we truly had the familial uh, yeah. hypocholesteremia. Right. So, so, yeah, but, uh, but we appreciate your show, and I know you got to get to Mike. Better let you go. All right. Thanks, <laughs> Mike for, Beckett. thanks for the call. No, Mike, uh, Mike and Kevin are not doing the show today. They, they're at Louisville, so uh, I'm going to wrap up the show here when we run out of calls. That'll be it for today. Tom in Utah, welcome. Oh, nice. I'm last. Hey, uh, so I have a, a, a strange question, I guess. So before, before, before the USMCA was NAFTA, and then so if, you want, if you're a driver going from the United States and the Canada case, right? You broke up a little bit. Say that again. If you're a driver going into Canada, oh, what? So if you're, you have to have your quick, quick card. Yeah, I, you're talking oh. compliance stuff now, so don't ask me. Well, it's not oh, okay. Well, anyway, anyway, I think you have to have your quick card. I wish I would have called in earlier and had some guys out there because I know you have a lot of Canadians. Anyway, so. A lot of the Canadian loads will come down through the United States, and then they can deliver directly to their 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 destination. Now, it seems to me, I mean, in, from Mexico, though, have you heard of anybody that picks up in Mexico and delivers to the destination in the United States? Isn't it? Don't they all use freight forwarders and on the southern border there? Not familiar with and that part of the that? industry either. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, um, I, that's just part of the industry okay. that I've never read about, never focused on. I know the basics right. that neither country is allowed to send trucks into our country and then start moving freight within the U.S. Um, but why we don't have as many trucks coming north 
the way we have trucks coming south, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's a, that's a little little weird to me because I never thought about it. My brother's trying to get a shipment directly from manufacturing. You know, in, it, in I, Mexico, I, total, delivered. total speculation here on my part, but it seems to me like most of the manufacturing that moves to Mexico moves to the northern part of the country and stays very close to the border. And I think they just tend they to do. shuttle a lot of stuff right across the border, and then we move it from there. And I don't know why that is, but that right. seems to we, be the way it works. The model, yeah, that's that's me too. And, and uh, one last thing, okay, but thank you. I don't even know who to contact about finding a broker in Mexico. <laughs> I don't even know where to go. Uh, we got a call about Trump. He, he's up about 90% right. You know, Trump shouldn't have printed all that money. And uh, Biden's printed, you know, the oh, uh, quantitative not, easing, they called it. Biden. Nothing nothing I say about Trump, you know, yeah, um, you know, gives, you know, forgives Biden for his. Clearly, I could go on. I don't want to go on and on because I'm tired of complaining about how bad the Biden administration is. But don't. Right. I mean, pick your poison. Well, I am. I don't want to see Trump back in office either. I just don't think it was good for our country. Me neither. But. You know, was and wasn't depending on if you're looking at China or looking, let, you know, looking ask, at North Korea let, and well, looking at Russia. I know this isn't definitive. There are a lot of things that have gone on, but I can easily say this. The country is far worse now than it was in 2015 before he was ever president. And I'm not blaming everything. Well, because on we're him. aware. Well, no, no, no. He's, he's, he created the big divide that we're seeing now. I think it started with Obama. I mean, we've always had a, a political divide in this country. I think it got it started to get significantly worse under Obama. It got tremendously And you don't think that had anything to do with our education under, system? Oh, no. You don't I, think that had anything I, to do with our education system? Have you heard me talk about the education system? I may be the biggest critic no, in the country. I, I, I have. It's system. It sucks. One of the reasons I'm supporting... Yeah. Vivek Ramaswamy is because the first thing he wants to do is eliminate the Department of Education. I'm all for it. Yeah. Yeah. So he'll never be president. What, what, you don't know that. I would never say he won't be president. Okay, well, a lot of people said that about Trump. Lots of people laughed and said, what a joke. He'll never be president. OK, well, ask yourself one thing. If Trump, if why does the left why are, why is the left so scared of Trump if he's if he's such a a fascist? You know? First off, I, I mean, didn't call him a fascist. I've called him a libertarian. I think that's where some conservatives have a problem with his policies. Is he is more libertarian? I will agree with the caller about his hiring. It was horrible. I was shocked at horrible, most of the people horrible. he was choosing. And then he had to get rid of them or they would leave. That was his administration was a mess as far as that went. The only appointment. I think, I, I think I, he was I, just getting bad advice. Well, then then he shouldn't be president. That's the point. Well, I, I'm not a good leader if I yeah. can't get the right advice and then act on it. So you might be right. Maybe he did get bad advice if he took it then that's a good reason he shouldn't be president. That's that's a very good point. You know, if he probably didn't have all this 
Russia collusion and all the rest of this stuff on his on his on his plate. You're and right. that, and not, he created it. That's my big point. He got up in front of the media constantly, called them fake media, criticized them, called them out, embarrassed them. That was his mistake, and that's why he had to deal with all that crap. He should yeah, have kept well, his they would head come down out of, yeah, after him anyway. And then, yeah, but they wouldn't have any material to come after him with. They would end up looking like idiots. But he gave them so uh, you, much material that they could rip him up one side and down the other, and it looked legitimate. That was his own fault. If it, yeah, if it was Trump DeSantis, I would vote for DeSantis in a heartbeat. Because just like Florida, what he did is he just fired so many of them and kept them on their heels. They didn't know what they didn't even know what to complain about. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He just was yeah. talking about talking about uh, flushing the toilet. Here's, you know, they didn't even know what to come after. Here's the thing for me. I think I'm pretty clear on how I feel about Trump. Why would we bother with him this time? We have a lot of really strong candidates. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know a lot of them, you know, uh, Nikki Haley. I do like Vivek a, a lot, but I just, like you said, the last name, you know, he had to change his last name to Smith or something. Well, let, um, uh, hey, hey, I think we, that'll be a problem. We elected somebody named Barack Obama. Yeah, well, we didn't. I mean, we did, the but we didn't. Did. The country no, did. You, yeah. Yeah. Now, you're right. I don't know how strong that's the left. And I that was a little easier to understand. But I think the conservatives will have a tough time with this one. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know how strong our bench actually is. Um, You know, Uh, for for me personally, Vivek and and, uh, Chris Christie. No, not Chris Christie. I mean, yeah, Christy Nome, good. There's some solid Republican candidates out there. Young. Yeah, smart. those are the three. She's not ready what, what's yet. What's the lady but, from Hawaii? Uh, oh, she's an independent now. You mean the one that was a Democrat? Um, yeah. Oh, shoot. What is her name? I just yeah. drew a total blank. You know what I'm I, about, for, a, for a Democrat, I like too. her a lot. Yeah. Um, well, she can get the Democrat vote too, though. Right. You know what I mean? Right. No, she, I, no. You know, so as, so as an independent, she's you know she might make a good running mate for somebody. That would be a really really interesting running mate for somebody. Female was Democrat, really you know sharp. Prior military that, that she's got a lot going for, her and she's she's sharp. Who else was I thinking yeah. of? Um, not ready yet, but Sarah Huckabee Sanders has a future. Um, yeah, not ready yet. But, well, I don't know. She's as ready probably as uh, as most. Maybe. You know, uh, she, she see, she's been there, seen it, and, and had to deal with a lot of those people. Yeah. I, I, I didn't even uh, put her. She's a fairly new governor. I'd like to see her get through her whole term. Let's see how she does. Yeah, yeah. And then um, the, yeah, it'll be interesting. All I know is we can't, this is the last time we can go left with one more president with the way that they're doing this stuff. I don't know. I, you know, I sort of see a, you know, people laugh about the preppers and all that, but I just don't know how we avoid a civil war at the rate we're going. 
division that we're having, you know? You know, the biggest issue that's worrying me right now, and I was a little shocked by this, but our press secretary, my God, hate to even talk yeah, about it, but uh, I'll try to stay away from all the issues with the press secretary. But the other day, she did not, it, it, I don't remember the exact wording, but it shocked me when she was questioned about house-to-house confiscation confiscation of assault weapons. And she didn't rule it out. That. Well, there, there's your civil yeah, well, war. There, there, look, if yeah, you think exactly. you're going and collecting somebody's guns, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> no, you're not getting mine. Yeah, it ain't going to happen. You know what I mean? I live in, I'm 183 miles to the nearest Walmart. I live right in the middle of Idaho. That's where my house is. And I've got an acre on the Salmon River. You know what I mean? I'm going to be okay. (laughs) And I I guarantee you our our sheriff's not coming. You know, they're going to have to send, and the National Guard probably won't even, they're going to have to send the Army. Here's the interesting thing we have to remember. There aren't many more states as whacked out and liberal as Oregon. I'm living in the epicenter of whacked out when it comes to politics. I moved out of there. Yeah, exactly. So you know how bad it is. But look at what happened with this last bill that Oregon was able to pass. As soon as it passed, the sheriff said, oh, hell no, we're not enforcing that. Right. No, Loma County Sheriff, for sure. But, you know, every, every, every every sheriff or you know if it wasn't for portland eugene uh, and those are the two big ones right uh, i don't even know what county eugene's in but that that state would be red you know yeah. and and just like just like the red, it's just the cities you know and what do these people think is going to really happen when the truck drivers or whoever decide you know what you people we've had enough of you we're not going to bring you your food. We're not going to bring you your things into your city. Yeah. You know? That, that's where we're headed. That's, that's the most worrisome. Yeah. Yeah. So, hey, I'm going to cut you loose. I'm going to wrap this up for the day. Great calls today. Really enjoyed it. Good show. We were all over the board. Almost three hours. Let me check to see if Tulsi Gabbard, Matt just reminded me. That's who it is. Tulsi Gabbard from Hawaii. More of a, you know, I would call her a libertarian too, but I would actually say she's more conservative than many Republicans. And I think that's why she finally decided she couldn't stay in the Democratic Party anymore, but she's independent. So I think she's a good libertarian. The problem is you just can't run as a libertarian. Nobody wins. All right, we're going to wrap this up. Let's see what we've got going on for tomorrow. I'll see if I have any news Looks like, um, let's see, Joel said he should be able to be there. John is a definite maybe, and Henry hasn't responded yet. It sounds like I know nothing about the show tomorrow, except that I'll be here, as far as I can tell. So we'll see. Something will happen. Oh, you know what? One more thing I wanted to talk about before we wrap this up today, only because I just saw this posted as I was... Uh, Getting ready to wrap this up. Um, I mentioned the other day that Craig Fuller over at Freight Waves wrote an interesting article. Um, Craig has been watching something called tender rejections. 
This is a measurement in the trucking industry that most of us don't ever hear about. Unless you've worked at a carrier or a decent-sized brokerage, you probably don't understand what tender rejections are. It has to do with RFPs and when we, we send out requests for proposals to get bids in when shippers send this out to get bids in on their, their lanes. Um, that number, the tender rejection number, I, a couple of weeks ago, I read the article saying it had hit its bottom, its lowest ever. It just did it again, set another record. It's collapsed to an all-time low, 3.22%. Um, this is crazy low, and this is not a good sign. When tender rejections are high, the carriers have the pricing power. When tender rejections are low, the shipper has the pricing power. We have very, very little negotiation ability when tender rejections are this low. We don't even know because we've never seen them this low. That's a scary thought. I, I just don't think there is any way to avoid this recession that's coming. And I think it's going to be bad. And the more I see articles like this, if you watch this, man, this did not decline slowly. This dropped off a cliff a couple of months ago. And this is a, a bad, bad sign for freight. It, interesting, it doesn't look like it's caused by a lack of freight yet. It actually looks like it's just being caused by too much capacity, too many trucks. We'll keep an eye on it and... Uh, We'll let you know what, uh, what we see coming. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.